Today's date is February 7th, 2018, and you are listening to the Blue and Gold Standard on 91.1 KLPR. Today we have two special guests joining the show, along with our takes on the action from the Super Bowl and from a busy week in the NBA and college hoops. We'll also have our Carney famous Blue and Gold Showdown, along with the results from last week. All that and more coming to you live in 25 seconds or less. All right, welcome to the fourth edition of the Blue and Gold Standard on 91.1 KLPR. I'm Austin Jacobson, joined by my esteemed colleagues, Wyatt the Riot Pfeiffer, and the man once voted as the sexiest offensive lineman alive, Jack McClay. Yes, get it! All right, everybody. That was gross. Oh, yeah, I know. I felt, I felt terrible doing that one. All right, so we've got some important scores to recap for you. So, of course, we'll start with the big one, the Super Bowl. Uh, my Eagles beat everyone else's Patriots 41-33. to I'll take credit for that. Yeah, you know, I, just I, rubbing it in right I was the, the only person that, you know, got that victory uh, with, of course, Jeff Biz. We'll get in the dub last week. But 41-33 was the score of that. We'll recap that later going on. And so, why don't I pass it over to you? What do you got for NBA action? Yeah, I say let's get the NBA about as fast as we can. <laughs> um, I'll probably just talk about what happened this past week. I mean, the Thunder ended up beating the Warriors by 20 with a score of 125 to 105, and then the Magic actually beat the Cavs of a score of 116 to 98. And those are brutal losses <laughs> to the defending Western and Eastern Conference champions. So moving on to this week, though, uh, we have the Spurs playing at Golden State, 7.30 Saturday, and the Cavs are going to be in Boston Sunday at 2.30. I'm I'm pretty excited for that one. I'm excited for both of those. Well, I think I'm, I think the Spurs-Warriors game is a little underrated because the Spurs are so – they're more under the radar than any any year before, you know? Yeah, are they finally going to show the Isaiah Thomas coming home video oh, for Boston? Oh, yeah, oh, that's going to be – Well, you have to – okay, let's think about Kyrie Irving right now. Though. Yeah. Is he just like – Sitting in his chair laughing right now at the Cavs and what's going on because the Celtics I, are playing pretty yeah. well and the Cavs are obviously still struggling. I think every single week on this show we've talked about the Cavs and they are sincerely imploding in every single way. Have they won a game in a long, a long stretch of time? I don't think I don't know what their losing well, streak they would be. Well, they won a big game if that. Yeah, that, so I mean, there's even... there's not been a serious and Isaiah Thomas would would you know is the most concerning for that team is that Isaiah Thomas after every loss comes out and says something to the media about the team every single week. I can't remember the exact quotes, but it's always something regarding about how team chemistry is not working or how someone's not getting the ball often enough or what his role on the team is. And I think that's just frustrating for all the Celtics players. And then, of course, everything with LeBron coming out. I mean, this past week we even had LeBron to the Warriors talk. I mean, it's not going to happen. Yeah, that was but, a bunch of hooey. LeBron even came out and said that was just all false. But I think the fact that it's even being said means that you know, it's just it's you know a loose household out there that they need to tighten down the hatches. And Wyatt and I were talking about it yesterday. Uh, you know, if you get Cleveland even as an eight seed in there, they're going to be the toughest matchup for anybody coming in, even the Celtics. So you know, maybe this is their overall goal. Maybe they're like, you know, we're going to play the Celtics in the last round of the Eastern Conference playoffs, or we'll just play them in the first round. We'll just be the eight seed, and they can be the one. It's, yeah, because you never count on LeBron. I mean, he's never lost in the first round. That's a consistency. He knows how to play in. May like he can do whatever he wants. I know, but you have to. We've all seen it. The whole spiel of oh, the Cavs aren't playing, or the Heat aren't playing too well, and then they come out and then they destroy. But this is something we've never. I I mean, and I think LeBron James has 
said a couple times himself that he's never seen anything like this. This isn't the same run of the muck, oh, let's just play bad and stay healthy and be up and then be energized for the playoffs. This is an issue where now they're, I think they're trying really hard to try to get off this this slump and they can, and now it's starting to cause frustrations. And I, I don't know, I just think this is, this isn't your typical case of LeBron James and and his team. Well, and nobody's playing well. Not even Le- like LeBron. Like usually, even during like losing streaks with Cavs or the Heat, whenever his time was, um, you never saw a bad string of games from LeBron as often as this is. Like you see his stat line, and they're not impressive. Yeah. And he doesn't have any support supporting players in any way. At least with the Heat, Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade would kind of pull him out of the ruck sometimes. And then even like in uh, weeks past or years past, rather, uh, Kevin Love would just eventually come up with a big game every once in a while, and uh, J.R. Smith would pull something out and you know have a big game. No one has anything, and this is the biggest name Cavs team we've seen in three years. So it's just ridiculous that they can't pull something together. Yeah, they definitely had a lot of hype going into the season, especially with that trade and then getting Derrick Rose and all that, big names, big names, big names. They looked so deep. But honestly, I feel like the Celtics, all in all, got the better trade deal out of that. But we can touch on that later when we have our guests come on. Let's move into some college hoops. Um, We had some big scores last week. Uh, West Virginia beat Oklahoma by two points, squeaking out a victory over Trey Young. Which that's wild to me. Yeah, Trey Trey Young, we've talked about and just like dumped his praises on there. But I'm very concerned about what his future would be going forward. Whether it is you know just a Big Twelve tournament or going on into March Madness hoops, because they looked like they were going to be unstoppable with him, and they've lost some significant games going back all the way. You know they've lost to Kansas, uh, they beat TCU, and now another loss. Uh, to West Virginia, that's just some quality teams that you're going to be playing, and you have to win those games later on in March. Yeah, no, I I think that I think teams are starting to realize that that Trey Young scoring 32, 40 points is arguably okay, depending on how the rest of his team is playing. I mean, I think at first it was wow, look at these points and assists, but I mean, when you look at it, and Trey Young did have six turnover, six or seven turnovers in this last game, and I think what they're realizing realizing is. Let him shoot. Let him be incredible. I mean, West Virginia's—they had their best guy guarding him, and he and he couldn't clearly couldn't you know hold him that much. I mean, I guess it took away some assists and some passing lanes, but I mean, I think that regardless, Trey Young is going to go off even if he does have some assists or even if he does start slow and ends hot. Either way, I think that Oklahoma needs to figure out, hey, when you know what can we do to benefit him more? Can we? Do we go and change our offensive scheme? Do we try to get people more under the basket so we can get offensive rebounds? Do we need to play better defense? Because I think people are just saying, Trey Young, go ahead, have a day. Who cares? The rest of you guys aren't going to do anything. And anytime you play a big game, we're going to come out on top because we are the better collective team. I know this isn't the most favorable matchup, but Trey Young and the way Oklahoma plays right now reminds me of Jimmer Fredette's BYU team. Right. Um, not in the fact that Jimmer Fredette and Trey Young are the same player by any means, but because Jimmer Fredette was such a big name for that team, and they were they were um, you know kind of a major program. You could recognize the name, you could recognize the teams they were playing, and they would lose some games that you just kind of scratched your head to and you didn't really understand. And when they got into you know, in Fredette's senior season, when he was balling out, just hitting threes from everywhere, uh, I think they lost in the second round. They were only like a fifth or fourth seed, so yeah. they really weren't even that highly ranked. Well, and, and like, and there too, Jimmer Fredette played well. I th- he had thirty plus points. I mean, he was he did everything he could. Yeah. It just comes down to do you have the team to do it? So yeah, Trey Young is good, but we're talking about Oklahoma right now, and Oklahoma as a basketball program, I just don't know. Yeah, and along with that, Jimmer Fredette and the BYU team back then, I mean, they did have their starting power forward and second-best player on that team suspended for that game, so, like, throughout the whole tournament because of Mormon law and everything yeah. that happened there. Yeah. 
Hey, you gotta follow gotta follow rules. Don't at the end get of the too day. friendly with your girlfriend in the dorm. Yeah, yeah no, exactly. Okay. Especially in the Mormon life. <laughs> yeah. Oh my! But all right. So the next game we've got, you know, number fifteen Tennessee uh, edged out six. Uh, con- number twenty four Kentucky sixty one fifty nine. The thing I take from that is that you know we this is not the Kentucky we've seen growing up. I mean, Kentucky with John Calipari has just been a one and done system. We've seen John Wall, Anthony Davis, and so many other first round players go through there. This Kentucky team does not look like that at all. They they have no cohesion. They're talented. Um, all the way throughout, you know, their bench players, all the way to the top, and they just can't get it together. I mean, they're a top twenty-five team, but they can't just get. It's kind of like the Cavs; they're so talented, but they can't play together. Yeah, and I and you have to wonder a few a few years back, Kentucky had a team that came out of nowhere and wasn't very good. Um, I think it was it was the first time they've been unranked in a long time, and uh, Calipari had he started initiating three days, and he was. I mean, just just completely put the hammer down, and and they ended up not finishing with a great record, but they did squeak into the tournament, and I think they won a couple games. So it makes you wonder, uh, can Kentucky? Because this is still, I mean, this is a number fifteen Tennessee. They're not getting blown out by some terrible team, but it makes you wonder: is like I could see Kentucky making a pretty good run in the tournament because of this whole John Calipari maybe starting to say, "Hey, we're coming towards the end, and you guys are playing bad. Maybe they can he get them to buckle down again." So I'm just saying, as a future opinion, Kentucky may not be playing great right now. Maybe. You know, lost a close one, but I would actually look to take them a little later in the tournament than most people probably would. Yeah, you can never count out Kentucky. They always have great talent. But let's move on to some Nebraska ball. They took down Minnesota the other night, so that was great. They're Scoring just rolling. I say it. I think I say that exact yeah. quote every week, but they're just rolling. Why? Where are they right now? In uh, like they're ra- rated. They're fourth Ooh. in the Big Ten right now. Are they really? Yep, wow. I saw that. Yeah, they're. I mean, they're killing it. Those those teams at the top, I know Purdue's holding on at the top. Ohio State's as well at the top. Michigan I can't, State, Michigan yeah. State as well. So I mean, those guys have pretty Michigan locked down. Right but yeah. but Nebraska's just grinding. I don't know. Away. Michigan State had a t- had a had a weird game the other night. They played Iowa. It was like 96-93. Just a weird game yeah. that happened there. So I don't know. You know, a lot of stuff going on in Michigan State. You know, that's probably uh, weighing on a things. lot of players' minds. Yeah. You know, uh, about and future. I mean, and coaches. Tom yeah. Izzo himself is probably. You know, even if he thinks he's okay, he's probably a little concerned yeah, was, just for who I mean, knows what. So who knows what could happen, honestly. In the Big Ten, always always kooky when it comes, especially to that big turn uh, conference play. I remember the Huskers won a couple of games in one year. They had no reason to win. And who knows what could happen, honestly. And, you know, those Big Ten games aren't home and away games either. I mean, they're all – I think they're in New York, actually. Yeah, I think, Madison Square. Yeah, yeah, they're playing at Madison Square. So, you know, MSG, you never know what can happen when you go away from conference Everything, play. You go away from everywhere. You yeah. know, like, no, that's a, that's a far road game for everyone, except, I guess, Rutgers maybe. But yeah. Uh, it's not, yeah, Maryland too, but – I, I thought that was odd that they changed as well. Jack, what do you have on Creighton? Well, Creighton does play DePaul tonight, and DePaul is nine and thirteen. And I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say I think this is going to be a, a a pretty smooth win for the Jays. After and it, last week, you'd hope so. Yes, oh my, correct. Yeah, after that, yeah, we had the wrong bet right on that. Yeah, my we. Take, <laughs> my take was right on that. Yeah, <laughs> we, yeah. yeah they yeah. got the wheels beaten off of them. Yeah, oh so, my goodness. So I mean, I am a little hesitant saying that this is going to be a stable win, but I think that. I think that it's it's so hard because it's you come off those games and you either win or you get killed. And I'm going to go with the win, and I I think that the Jays are going to come back from this. They're just trying to figure it out. They have a freshman center playing right now. I think that they have the the talent that they can they can get the wheels churning. I think people are now are starting to realize the roles that they're going to have to take now that Crumple's not out. So maybe people need to work inside more. Maybe the bigs need to step up. People need to just play better another spot. So I think they're just they're just getting the wrinkles out, and I think they're gonna they're gonna start moving up from here. A big game we got tonight is actually St. John's taking on Villanova, number one ranked, and St. John's actually just beat Duke. Last yeah, that'll week, be a good so one. I think that. And what do you think about that, Austin? 
I'm sorry, I wasn't paying attention. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> Thanks. That's really Saint John's respectful. Nova. Oh, St. John's Nova. Oh, there's going to be an easy one for Nova. I mean, we just we've seen Nova just time and again come through in the kind of in big bigger stages, bigger games so far. So I'm looking for them to kind of have an easy one. St. John's did come off of a Duke victory, but they're not a good team. Duke just overlooked them, and it's a classic Coach K game you know there's always a game every year that coach k is going to just overlook and as much as d- people will be like oh the players didn't you know prepare well for this one it's honestly it's it's a repeated track record with uh um coach k every single year that he's gonna be struggling with something like that every single year yeah no doubt and then we got a big 10 matchup it's a big 10 wednesday boys we got ohio state number 14 taking on purdue number three ranked team tonight at seven thirty. I don't know. Purdue's holding down the fort up top. I, I mean, it's I guess it's the one and two, but have you guys seen the size on Purdue? Yeah, They're give huge, me give me Purdue huge. every day of the week. I mean, give me Purdue. Seven three, I, seven two, two which nine. Most of the time, those guys don't ever work, but for some odd reason, they found some seven footers who can play, and I just think that's going to be a really deciding factor because Ohio State's not super small, but I, I don't know if they have the height to. But also, also, if you just look at Ohio State, too, just some of the games that they played in, when they yeah, played Penn State not. and ended up uh, losing that game when they tied the game and gave up a basically, you know, past the last second three, if you really ask yeah. me. But um, they just can't close winnable games for them. So even if this is a close game, I still see Purdue just taking the victory over Ohio State in that one. Yeah, but then you got to look at Ohio State does have, like, who I think is going to be player of the year in Bates Diop. Like, he hit that huge shot to tie the ball game with Penn State and then get the loss, but I think he's got it in him to take down these big hosses, literally, up at the top of the Big Ten. But the big one, Thursday, Duke, North Carolina. Who's everybody got? I don't know. I I read an article today that um, that well, was talking about Grayson Allen. I would spoke with you guys about that a little bit, how people are starting to doubt Grayson Allen's NBA ability. I mean, I think that they've seen glimpses of it, but his uncons- I mean, is this is his senior year, is it not? I mean, the inconsistency. He's been there for like eight years. Yeah, that's so. what it seems <laughs> like. Ever since he dunked that ball his freshman year, but uh, his inconsistency. So I mean, I don't know if that's a. That almost seems mental to me that Grayson Allen can play three years strong and then his his senior season maybe I don't and that's what I don't know if it's his own mentality or I kind of see that as a reflection of the team because I think that if Grayson Allen's worried about the NBA, but his team is mentally there, strong, focused, everything. I think that they're. That that's not going to face him. So I I wonder, uh, and I think I mean North Carolina has had some weird losses, but I think I mean when it's Duke UNC, it's hard to it's hard to even put stats and records in there. Yeah, it's obviously a different kind of game, and I don't think Grayson Allen's falling apart. I think this might be one of his better years in showing leadership because he's the only senior on a team full of freshmen who's leading the league in points per game as a team. And Grayson Allen's footwork, it's up there next to Draymond Green's. I mean. He's got NBA talent there. <laughs> Draymond. Yeah, so I'll, I'll always take North Carolina just because Carolina blue is better than whatever blue dude wears, I guess. That's a really know. good sports I know, right? educated that's, guess. That's right the best there. as I can get. That's I mean, a really that's good just one. a fun that's game like a to March watch. Madness pick. Yeah, honestly. But I mean, that's just, color. that's just a fun game to watch regardless of how good the teams are, where they rank, anything like that. Whenever those two teams come up, that's just a game is always – you know, uh, advertised. You always see it on ESPN. It's always the one everyone's talking about. It doesn't matter how good anybody is in that game. Um, then we got Xavier at Creighton, and then we got Purdue at Sparty. Those will be pretty good Saturday. games on yeah, Saturday. Yeah, those will yeah. indeed will. Definitely. 
So a lot of good college hoops action coming. But, you know, our own college hoops, uh, Loper Athletics, we'll get you a little rundown of them. So uh, last week for the men's basketball program, they lost to Washburn on Thursday at home. And then Jack and I had the pleasure of watching them take a good victory over Emporia State 70-57 to on Saturday. Jack, did you have any takes from that game? We had a very good seat in the house for that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. So to give a little background, uh, Austin and I did the play-by-play and color commentating for the men's and women's game. So speaking about the men's game, I mean, I thought it was a great game. It was a very high-tempo battle. Fast. Um, I, I think that I think that Emporia kind of took UNK for a for a ride a little bit at the beginning. I think UNK looked really uncomfortable and not steady, and especially in uh, Trey Landsman, I I feel that he kind of didn't know how to react to it. But he he settled in and he had a great game. I really was impressed with Lane Rourke. I just think he's he just looks like such a solid player when it comes to assists, rebounding, scoring. You know, doing the little things, diving on the floor. I think he's just a great leader, and I think he's someone who kind of propelled that win for them and. Calmed him down, got him right, and helped him for that victory. And then now moving on to the women's side, they had two straight wins over Washburn on Thursday, 70-61, to and then they also won over Emporia State, 84-79 to on Saturday. That's going to extend their win streak currently to 11 games. So they're riding hot right now, and they're in the top three, I believe, in the MIAA. So pretty good streak going. And they beat a really good Emporia State team on Saturday, kind of knocked them down a couple of notches. But Emporia State only had four conference losses on the season so far now up to five so women's are riding high that's going to be something to watch for wrestling they won 20 to 12 over central oklahoma on thursday so we got to have jeff bizzle on the show and he kind of filled us in on that um we did not get the sunday score they haven't updated on their website yet but the men's track and field finished third at the unk invite uh and then the women's track and field won the unk invite and those were also saturday so a big saturday for all the lopers a couple of victories coming out there i could never run for a sport i mean props (laughs) to them but just when I see that, it's just I get tired even speaking upon it. I just like the events where they have like the two mile run or the even the one mile run when it looks like nothing's going on on the track and everyone's like, "Oh, is there a break?" And there's just one person yeah, like yeah, just yeah. still going around and around. Yeah, it's just just tiring. That's <laughs> yeah, all it is. They'll always get that courtesy clap at the end. Yeah, of right. It's all right. Just a couple. Yeah, just a couple. Little. But then it's really because I guess this is important too because with the Olympics coming up and it is Winter Olympics, not Summer Olympics. But you know, one of my favorite things to watch uh, is those long distance runs when somebody falls in the back and then they try to make their way up and you know they're too far behind because they just like you know those guys are Olympic athletes for a reason. Yeah, like you exactly. don't just like gain on those people after you fall down. Once again, I'm glad you like watching people fail. I'm, sure, <laughs> I'm glad you have entertainment. Out hey, of look, that. I failed enough in my life. I think I can, <laughs> I think I can laugh at everyone else for doing it for sometimes. So men's tennis was in grand Island and they won six to one over South Dakota state on Saturday. And then women's tennis again, also in grand Island, they also won six to one over South Dakota state. So a good Saturday for all the Lopers athletics and softball. They were in Las Vegas the past week. They won versus Notre Dame day. Namur, Namur. I don't know how to say that. Yeah, so we'll over six, we'll go Namur, six to three, and then they lost their next three matches: University of Mary thirteen to nine, Humboldt State four to twelve, and then the Texas Women's University three to eleven. They only played five innings with that. So we're actually going to take a quick break here. We actually have some guests coming on, so don't touch that radio dial. We'll be right back after some music.
All right, we're back here on the Blue and Gold Standard. Jack, I believe you have a special introduction now for our new guest coming on. Yep, I do, and I like to make it all nice and fancy, so. And now, all the way from Fargo, North Dakota, a three-time national champion quarterback, a two-year starter for the Bison, and the number one person to ask for business, business advice as he's getting his MBA right now, a longtime friend of mine, Easton Stick. How are we, Easton? How e are we, Easton? Easton, you there? Uh-oh, we're having some technical difficulties. We'll try to get that figured out. But with that, uh, we're going to continue on with kind of just some thoughts on the Super Bowl that we have going on. I'm going to try to figure out what we've got going now for uh, figuring out where Easton's at. Oh, oh, Easton, are you there? Ah. Oh, he hung up. Oh, we'll, we'll try again. We'll see if we can get this to work out. All right, Wyatt, give us a little Super Bowl talk. What do you think about your Patriots? I know you're probably not super pleased about it. Yeah, it was definitely a rough game. I sat through it the whole time. All my prop bets went to crap right away. I think all the thing I got right was it was heads. But it was just a hard-fought battle for the Patriots and Eagles. Like, you didn't know who was going to come away with the victory until the very end. And obviously there were some controversial calls. I mean, the Clement touchdown, it's been called differently than that all year. The Ertz touchdown, I think it's a touchdown, but I also think Dez caught it too. So... It looked very similar, could have been overturned. And then apparently the Eagles had five men in the backfield on that Nick Foles touchdown catch. So I that really know. disappointed me. All right. Easton, are you there? Do we got it figured out now? No, maybe not. Oh, dang. I don't know what's going on. All right, we'll go back to the drawing board. We'll see what's happening. But, I mean, to go to continue on about the Super Bowl, uh, I don't know. I, I, have, to, I have to wonder about uh, – Tom Brady. I mean, what? I mean, I guess why? I'll kind of go back to you. You were watching closely. Do you think Tom? Would you say he played well or that he didn't play well? He definitely played well. He threw for over 500 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. He was on the ball the whole game. I mean, it's obviously very tough. Easton, is that you? I hear. Yeah. All right. Oh, there we go. We did our we did our introduction early, now but now can. we've got you. How's it going, Easton? All right. All right, Easton, are you still there? Are we, are we still rolling? Can you hear me? Yeah, yep. we can hear you. Can you hear us? <laughs> can you hear us, Easton? Oh, dang. He's kind of there. The reception yeah. just seems a little. Those North but... Dakota satellites, you can't trust yeah, them. Yeah, I know. Now. That's right. It's, <laughs> it's all that. And, oh, I've, I don't know if you're there or not, Easton. We're just kind of <laughs> calling out in the dark. Here. All right. I'm, I'm a... <laughs> yeah, we're just. <laughs> Easton, I wasn't kidding when I said all the way from Fargo because apparently <laughs> this reception's tough. <laughs> all right. It's cold out here, man. Yeah, the satellites are freezing. There you go. All right, Easton. So I think we got you, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So why don't I just now that we're here, now that we got it all figured out with the technical difficulties, why don't you just uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? I'd like you to mean you're from Omaha with us, so just go ahead and talk about yourself a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so born and raised in Omaha. I uh, went to Creighton Prep High School. Um, graduated in 2014 and then uh, ended up making my way up to, to Fargo, North Dakota to go to North Dakota State University and uh, a place that uh, I would have never imagined in my life that I'd end up, but uh, just incredibly fortunate to, to be at a place like this. Had some pretty cool experiences and, um, you know, get the opportunity to play football and uh, meet some really cool people and um, experience a little bit of different lifestyle than, than I was used to. And so, 
yeah, it's been a good experience. Uh, finished up my, my undergrad degree in December, and so I uh, got a year to, to finish up eligibility, and so just kind of playing it year by year and, and, and seeing what happens. Yeah, that's awesome. So, Easton, uh, you know, you were, a, you were a national champ this year. That's the third one you've had, which is pretty unheard of in a lot of, a lot of you know, multiple senses. But going back to that game, I mean, the people who watched that game, there was – you guys were winning uh, by how much? How much with four seconds left were you up by? Uh, we were up by, by four. Um, yeah, so you're up so, by four with four seconds left, and it's yeah. and it's fourth and about eighteen, and and the Bison decide that they're going to snap the ball and try to run this out. But you're on about your own twenty five yard line, so I mean, there's a lot of risk for. So I mean, in in that huddle before you broke, what like what's going through your mind? What's the coach telling you? Like, what's your guys' mentality? Other than I mean, just is it just run for your life, Easton, or did you have any other backup thoughts or what? Yeah, well, it was funny the way the way it all worked out is. Uh, we had a play called, and, and it was about third and five. And we knew if we get the first down, the game's over. Um, you know, with four seconds left, the clock runs out and it's over. Um, but if you don't, you give them the ball back and give them an opportunity to, to you know, run a play. And so we went back and forth on what we wanted to do, uh, decided on something, actually called the timeout and continued to think it over. And we're throwing recommendations at each other and then um, – Really what we ended up doing was getting to a, a formation that set the edge as wide as we could, and then it was my job just to catch the ball and run backwards and, and wait till the, the clock ran out. And um, As soon as it did, man, that was a, that was a pretty cool feeling. Yeah, I was going to say, so did you, did you actually get to get eyes on the clock, like seeing it zero before you went down, or did you just kind of count in your head? Or No, I, I was looking. I caught yeah. the snap and turned around and the first thing I did was find the clock and yeah, yeah I wasn't, I wasn't going to just feel it out. Cause I think that, uh, That'd get time you in was trouble. going a little bit, a little bit faster in my head than it probably was. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, uh, the last thing I wanted to do was go down too early. Hey, Wyatt, I don't know about you, but Easton sounds like the next New England Patriot quarterback with all that situational awareness. I mean, especially with all them championships, you stack them <laughs> up with New England, man. Yeah, why it's a big, uh, big Pats guy. So, but Easton, again, again, what you what you said, just kind of for everyone, describe that feeling of of when you did go down and and like just realizing that you were a national champion, and it was yeah, in, it, under your under your offense this time. Yeah, it's just it was a surreal feeling, and um, like I said, I've been a part of a couple teams that had won national championships, but I had never been the one on the field, so. Um, it, it was a, a different experience, a fun one, and, and you know the whole year just kind of flashes, you know, through your mind really quickly, and all the time that you spend in on, on the off season working and yeah. um, finding ways to to push yourself and get better, and um, you know, and then you think about we had an unbelievable senior class, there about twenty guys uh, that had put so much time and, and effort into this program, and um, you know, I had a lot of really close relationships with those guys, and so being able to to go on out on top with with that class was really special and um you know and then you, you look up and um you know three-fourths of the of the stadium is, is wearing gold and they're all rushing the field and so it, there's no better feeling um and it's something that hopefully we can do again yeah that's great so uh and then when you're getting started like i was just wondering did you have to go up against like kyle manuel on the starting defense ever back in practice uh, oh yeah yeah, yeah I had he, my ever, he ever kyle. Made you pretty big like, Luckily for me, uh, I was wearing a red jersey, um, and so for the most part, Kyle left me alone. Uh, but some of those offensive tackles, man, I feel bad for because uh, that guy practiced hard all the time and was just relentless, even at practice, and was really a pain in the butt for what we were trying to do on the scout team. He would just disrupt stuff. So 
you know, guys like him, uh, Christian Dudzik, who's a, who's an Omaha kid, um, and you know, we've got a couple other guys that uh, are in the NFL now from from that defense. And so, uh, there's been a lot of really good players uh, that I've been fortunate to be around and that have come through NDSU. And so, um, you know, every day you're you're practicing against the best. So, Easton, talking about some of those some of those good good athletes have have you know gone through NDSU. How about in this in the senior class now? Do you see or have you heard us or talk about some guys? Uh, from this graduating class, getting looks in the NFL. Yeah. Um, so Nick DeLuca uh, played at Millard North. Uh, he's an inside linebacker and uh, was was at the Senior Bowl. Played at the Senior Bowl and uh, is at the going to be at the NFL Combine later in the month. Um, he's definitely going to have an opportunity. And then you know I think uh, guys like Nate Tangway, who's a defensive lineman, um, you know a tight end Jeff Ilias, uh, and so. We, we've got guys that, that are capable of playing and, and play at a really high level, and now it's just you know about them potentially finding the right fit and, and hopefully hopefully getting an opportunity to, to get in the camp and, and then from there just seeing what happens. You know, all you can ask for is an opportunity. And, you know, I know one thing, there's uh, you know a lot of attention on our program. There's been a lot of really good players, and uh, there's been a lot of uh, you know high-level football being played here for a long time. And so, you know, there are eyes on our program, and, um, if people think you're good enough, they'll find you, especially at North Dakota State. Yeah, that's a great point about the NFL. And then, um, so how about yourself in the future? Obviously, Carson Wentz, your boy went number two overall. You you yeah. probably got to go number one, right? Because you started over him back in the day. Yeah, I'm pr- that's how that works, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the signing bonus would be bigger and everything. Yeah, after. exactly. Of course. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's funny. Um, yeah, Carson's obviously had a ton of success. and. Um, you know, I think that's just continued to bring um, some relevance and, uh, you know, really uh, a strong reputation to our program. Like I said, he's not the only one playing in, in the league, but uh, definitely is the headliner right now. So, Easton, uh, for those for the people out there that don't understand, in FCS, which is 1AA, you guys have a playoff system, and that actually applies in all of the other divisions uh, besides the FBS Division One. So, quickly, uh, just asking you, you know, what are your thoughts on the playoff system and then also – do you think that the FBS should transition to that as well? Yeah, you know, I think it's one of the best things that we have going on is, is it is a true playoff. You know, teams get seeded based on what they're doing throughout the year and, um, you know, looking at strength of schedule and um, league record, things like that. Um, and then it's really who's the best team at the end of the year. And, you know, it's not just, you know, you're not playing in the GoDaddy.com Bowl <laughs> or, you know, something that, really at the end of the day is kind of meaningless you get an opportunity to, to test your team and um you know the best team at the end of the year uh, you know finding ways to win that who is usually who gets to you know raise the trophy at the end and so I, I think it's a great system it's one of the things that really attracted me um to north dakota state and to the fcs level and um you know because i think a lot of times people get caught up in that distinction between fbs and fcs and and really, at the end of the day, I don't know if bigger is better in every sense. You know, yeah, we play a high-level football here, and um, you get an opportunity to compete and find out if you're the best. And so, um, you know, I think they did it. FBS has done a cool thing by getting to the four-team playoff. And, you know, I would be in favor of that even increasing and, and trying to get more teams in there. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, you know, that's for people who are a lot smarter for me to, <laughs> to, to decide. So, uh, But I, I really enjoy the system that we have. 
So, just what are your thoughts on North Dakota State going to the FBS? We see North Dakota State every single year, you know, compete against these FBS schools and usually win. I'm the, one of my favorite wins was over Iowa, of course. You know, being a Husker fan, but yeah. uh, you know, every year you just see them compete and they're always winning and they're winning national championships in FCS. So, do you think that that competition level can apply to FBS? Yeah, and you know that's that's interesting because um, I think we're really comfortable with where we're at. Like I said. We get an opportunity to play in a playoff system, uh, an opportunity to, to finish the year uh, as a champion. And so, you know, do you really, you know, the question you got to ask yourself is do you really want to move up and, um, you know, to a group of five level where you're playing with the MAC and the Mountain West? And, you know, so we, we kind of see ourselves on, on a similar level uh, of football as them anyway. And like you said, we've beaten uh, Big Ten, Big 12 teams, you know, um, pretty consistently and so we know we play at a high level of football but um, at the end of the day that playoff system and, and the ability to, to compete every year for championships is really attractive and um, I think as long as college football is set up the way it is right now I think we're really comfortable with where we're at. All right Easton well going off of college and on to the Super Bowl uh, you know we talked a little bit earlier but just kind of what are your thoughts on the Super Bowl and in, in particular what were your thoughts on uh the quarterback system, you know, with, with Foles going at Brady and those two, and then even just Carson, um, whether you talk to him or not, just kind of what you know about that whole situation. Yeah, well, I, I mean, for me as an offensive guy and as a quarterback, I loved it. It was fun to watch, uh, tons of points, and uh, really, really impressive quarterback play too. I mean, you get a guy who's Tom Brady who, you know, arguably is the best of all time um, at 40 years old, throwing for 500-some yards and, um, you know, doing that in the face of pressure and he's getting hit and knocked down and continues to get back up and um, push the football down the field. So I thought he played an unbelievable game. And then on the other side, shoot, Nick Foles is just fearless, you know, throwing balls in tight windows and being really efficient. Uh, he was unbelievable on third down, which is huge, um, and found ways for, for them to move the football. And uh, down the stretch there, you know, the fourth down completion um, on their last drive and then just getting them down the field. And, and you know, that last one to Ertz was, was an unbelievable drive and um, really the, the level of football he was playing at the end was was fantastic and um, so that was just a fun game to watch especially from a quarterback's perspective and um, and like you said Nolan Carson and uh, you know I think it was an unbelievable experience for him to, to be a part of that team and um, to be a huge reason why they got there um, and you know get the opportunity to, to win a Super Bowl and uh, that's something that you know nobody can take away from you and uh, but at the end of the day I think you know it's pretty bittersweet knowing that you're not out there and not able to play. But, um, you know, hopefully uh, he's able to get healthy and, and, you know, that's not the last time he's in that game. So, you know, just going off of our Super Bowl talk, we'll just try to recap it right now. So anyone that didn't hear the beginning part or watch the Super Bowl, I don't know who would be out there. Uh, Eagles won 41-33. That moved the Patriots to 5-5 five and five overall in the Super Bowl. They're tied for the most losses now uh, with the Denver Broncos overall in all Super Bowls. Uh, Easton, what are your thoughts on the other quarterback that played in the game? Tom Brady had 500-plus yards, three touchdowns. There's never been a game where a quarterback lost a game with that stat line, and especially not in the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And, you know, yeah, the stats are, are remarkable and um, all of that. But at the end of the day, he gets the ball with two and a half minutes and a timeout and the two-minute warning. And I would have bet that 99% of the people watching watching that game are saying, well, this one's over. Tom Brady's going to go down and score. And we've all seen how this ends. So, um, you know, I think that's what's so incredible about him is that's the expectation for him. And you know, when it doesn't happen, people are surprised. You know, it was a big deal that he didn't go down and score. And 
Um, so I think that says a lot about his legacy and what he is, who he is as a player. And, and yeah, those stats speak for themselves. That's unbelievable. Um, and, and really it kind of came down to who had the ball last. And, um, you know, the Eagles were able to make a big play on defense. And I completely agree with you. I, I was sitting with my friends, and uh, I don't know how much time was left. I think it was like 2-12 when Ertz scored that I just looked over at my friends. I was like, this is exactly where Brady wants him. Like, everyone knows this is exactly where the Patriots want. You know, down eight points, are going to walk down and score, and then they just got put in a bad position off that kickoff return, and then three straight incompletions, completing one on fourth down, and then, of course, everything that led from there just kind of ended it for them. But, you know, uh, with that, too, one of the biggest stories that came from the Super Bowl is Malcolm Butler played 97% of the defensive snaps for the New England Patriots all season. Of course, the Super Bowl hero in Super Bowl 49, 48, 49, 49, and uh, no defensive snaps, only participated in special teams. It was deemed a coach's decision. He wasn't a healthy scratch. He still participated in the game, suited up, but did not start nor play defensive snaps. Yeah, how about that? I mean... You know, there's got to be something going on, you wonder, uh, and there's obviously all the speculation about what went on during the week and and, and all that, but shoot, I don't know. Maybe that's something that uh, we never really know the answer to and um, just kind of seemed out of character for him to, to do something, but at the end of the day, um, as businesslike and, and as much as Bill Belichick wants to win and uh, the amount of time that those guys put into it, uh, it'd be hard-pressed, I think, to find uh, – you know, a reason just to sit somebody just to make a point at that at that you know magnitude of, of a game and at that stage of the year. So yeah, that's a crazy story. And um, you know, with the type of numbers that the Eagles put up on offense, the explosive plays. Yeah, I mean, you got to imagine that the Malcolm Butler could have had a, an effect on that game. Yeah, the only thing I can imagine with that, besides all the controversies and all the speculation of what actually happened. My best take is that I think Belichick tried to pull a Belichick move to make him look like the smartest man alive by starting a corner who used to play from the Eagles, Eric Rowe, to cover the Eagles and hoping he's going to show out against his former team with something to prove. So that's just my best guess on what happened, but I don't get not playing Malcolm Butler any snaps. Like, that's pretty rough. We'll never know. Yeah, Honestly, no, it'll no, never we'll come know. out. That's the thing is that it's all just going to be like a – just an endless whisper that no one will ever know the answer to. Easton, uh, you know, we, we there's a lot of there's been a lot of speculation on on these two catches, the the touchdown by Coleman and the touchdown by Ertz. But you know, we're not we won't get into the nitty gritty or Clement, excuse me, um, and Ertz. And I was uh, I wanted to ask you just from a basic what what were your thoughts on those? Did you did you see some issues with those, or did you think one wasn't a touchdown or one was or or any of that? You know, just watching the play and not having any understanding of the rule. Um, I, I thought they were both catches, but then when you go back and think about, uh, you know, Jesse James and the catch for, for the Steelers against New England or earlier in the year, they got waved off. Um, and some of the other, the Des Bryant's and, um, you know, some of those type plays that, uh, you know, where there's a bobble or the ball hits the ground and then, you know, it really makes you question what you're seeing. But I think if you just uh, rule aside and, you know, you're just playing in your backyard, um, playing football, I, I thought they were both catches. And, you know, Clement, yeah, adjusted his hand on the football on the one. Um, but I think at the end of the day, at what point did you ever look at it and say, no, he doesn't really have control over it? You know, I didn't feel that way at least. And then Ertz takes three steps and dives into the end zone, crosses the plane. And so I think, you know, um, not, you know, not having a, a great understanding of the rule, which I don't think anyone does at this point. I think a lot of people are confused just watching it and, and uh, being a fan of football and playing it, I thought they were both catches. 
You know, Easton, that kind of brings up an interesting question I have for you. So playing quarterback, do you ever think about stuff like that, like where you need to place, or place the ball rather to get it into a catchable zone for your guys to, you know, maybe not have this rule come into effect? And I guess you do play college football, so it's a little bit different there, but still the same rules apply. Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, you know, you're trying to put the ball um, in the best possible spot. And so, you know, depending on the route, you know, sometimes it's, leading it in front of them, you know, and putting it on their chest so that they can catch it and, and not break stride and continue to run. You know, there, there are other times that you see it all the time in the NFL. Um, you know, guys are really good at throwing it on people's uh, back shoulder uh, on the sideline and, and making people open their hips. And, um, you know, the Eagles do a good job getting their tight ends involved over the middle. And, you know, on some of those throws, you're kind of just throwing it to the opposite shoulder of the defender. And, um, you know, and guys are taught at that level, wherever that ball's caught, that's where you're turning to because guys are so accurate at that level and know what they're doing that um, you just kind of got to trust where they're putting the ball is where they wanted to put it um, and let that, you know, carry you on in your momentum or um, bring you back down. And so, um, yeah, that's stuff that as a quarterback you're working on all the time and, and trying to really be critical and, and perfect with where you're putting the football. All right, Easton, the last, the last little bit we're going to incorporate you before we let you go is we're going to go over our top three Super Bowls, all of us here. So we're going to let you go last so you can really you can mull on it. But just start thinking about our super, uh, about your top three Super Bowls ever. So we'll let Wyatt go first, though. Already, obviously, I've had some pretty good Super Bowl years being a Patriots fan. But there's one thing. if It's obviously close between my amount of likeness for the Patriots and my amount of dislike for the Denver Broncos so my number one is very close call between the Super Bowl 51 where the Patriots came back from a 20 point 25 point deficit and ended up being the Falcons and then Super Bowl 48 is the other one that's close and I know most people might have this at their as their least favorite Super Bowl but when the Seahawks absolutely steamrolled Peyton Manning and the Broncos that was a great day I love that, too, just because as soon as the snap went over Peyton's head in the very first play, you knew the game was over, oh, that yeah. it was just done. You could you could tell from all the Broncos players that they just did not want to play in that game. And then going to number three is Super Bowl Forty Nine. Obviously, that was a exhilarating game. It wasn't quite like the 25-point comeback, but the Seahawks had the ball in there driving, and then they threw that pass deep to Jermaine Curse, and oh, I just had flashbacks of David Tyree playing in my head. And I couldn't stand it. I thought the Seahawks had it, and then the Butler pick happened, and it's all history. Easton, do you throw the ball there? <laughs> Not if you got beast mode. <laughs> let, that, let that man run in and, and have some Skittles ready for him on the sideline. <laughs> yeah, there fun you go. fact on that one, there's actually only one interception thrown from the one-yard line that season, and that was it. Oh, Jeez. there you go. <laughs> something new every day, you know? You learn something. Yeah, All right, I so I didn't have any stats today, but here we go. <laughs> so for mine, I'm going to go just off of what I enjoyed in Super Bowls. Of course, my Panthers have played in Super Bowl 50 and in Super Bowl 38, which I'll get to in a second. But Super Bowl 50 was not fun for me in any way. But uh, uh, my first one that I'm going to talk about is Cardinals versus Steelers Super Bowl 43. That was just a great game altogether. Um, I think... You know, just like what Easton was talking about earlier with ball placement, that San Antonio Holmes touchdown, you can just appreciate it more and more. And then, of course, the big James Harrison interception. I think my favorite play was Larry Fitzgerald streaking down the middle of the field off of that uh, uh, shallow post or skinny post, whatever you want to call it. He did a great job just breaking open and then just running free. You thought that was going to be the end of the game. Everyone thought that was the end of the game. I think even some of the Steelers thought it was the end of the game. 
And then just to see like Santonio and Ben Roethlisberger just come together and just win the end of that game, fantastic. Uh, Patriots, Panthers, Super Bowl 38. That was one of the first Super Bowls I remember actually watching because I loved the Panthers uniforms, and that's kind of where my love for Carolina started to grow. Julius Peppers balled out in that game as well, as well as uh, Jake DeLome, the quarterback for the Panthers. Uh, Mohamed Masakwa has the large, or longest touchdown reception in Super Bowl history. The third quarter in that game, ridiculous. If you ever get the chance to rewatch that game, it's worth the watch. And then, of course, Colts versus Saints because I hate Peyton Manning. I'll respect him as much as I can. I think he's a great quarterback, but I hated watching him. Um, watching him get intercepted and that taken back, one of the sweetest moments of my life, one of the best parts. All right, Jack, take it away. All right, so my top three, I'm going to start with Super Bowl 45, and that's the Green Bay Packers defeating the Pittsburgh Steelers 31-25. I'm a Packers fan. That was like that was the most recent one they've had, so that was pretty exciting. Yeah, Followed that by was that definitely w- big for that little Wayne song coming out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Green and yellow. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> so then followed by that is Super Bowl 51, which was the New England Patriots 34, Atlanta Falcons 28. I mean, that was just a stellar performance, and, and that was what started the trend of, no matter how much time's left, people are going to say, I feel like the Patriots can come back from this. Uh, and then my last one is Super Bowl 49, which was the New England Patriots beating the Seattle Seahawks 28-24. I just thought that was also a great game, and it comes back to that controversy we talked about. Um, but really my main love is the Packers one, especially for how bad they were this year, and that wasn't anyone's fault besides Aaron Rodgers' you collarbone. Know, I remember that game being a, like a bigger blowout than what the final score was. Like I'm surprised to see that it was only a six-point victory. I remember yeah. like – Green Bay, I felt like steamrolled them, but maybe I just don't yeah. remember the game right. Yeah. All right, Easton, that's what we've all been waiting for. Let's hear your top three. All right. Um, I think my one and two uh, are the last two for sure. I think 52 this past year, uh, just knowing Carson and, and being buddies with him, um, you know, seeing him kind of reach that milestone. And then, you know, the game was in Minneapolis, which is about three hours from Fargo. And so uh, we got to go actually – you know, drove up there and uh, hung out for the weekend and got to experience some of the, the Super Bowl, uh, you know, fan experience stuff and uh, just being around it and seeing fans from, from all over the country and, and, and all over the world really uh, was an unbelievable experience. Uh, we had to bear the cold a little bit, but uh, used to it up here. So that one's, you know, going to be special for me, I think. Um, and then last year, Super Bowl 51 uh, with the Patriots beating Atlanta and being on 25 points uh, and just iconic Tom Brady uh, throwing the pick six, you know, in the first half and then just not flinching and leading the biggest comeback in Super Bowl history. That's something that I think really cemented Tom Brady um, and, and got him to that fifth Super Bowl. Um, and, and that'll kind of be his legacy, I think, going forward. Um, and then my third one, which is maybe a little bit of a wild card, um, I think is Super Bowl um, 37. And it was Tampa Bay and the Oakland Raiders in 2003. John and Gruden, the original. John Gruden. There you so go. John Gruden had been traded from the Raiders to Tampa Bay um, a year or two before and then leads you know Tampa to, to a Super Bowl. And really, that's the first Super Bowl I ever remember watching. And so that's kind of really my first um, taste of football in the Super Bowl and, and what it was all about. Uh, I remember having people, parents had people over and did the whole Super Party party deal and so I I really that sticks out to me and uh, Derek Brooks had like a 44 yard interception return for a touchdown that you know I can just picture him you know on the TV running down the sideline and so um, that one is kind of my first Super Bowl uh, memory and so uh, I'll remember that one forever. All right Easton so 
we're going to let you go here soon, but do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share with us before we let you go? <laughs> you know, I just am uh, really surprised you guys let Jack McClay on air. That, that's <laughs> yeah. We get that every week, yeah, actually. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for the love, you know, Just Hey, just be careful. Yeah, yeah, you never know what comes out of this mouth. Uh, you know, I appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, it, you know, I've been able to listen to a little bit uh, of what you guys have done the last couple weeks, and so uh, I've been really cool to, to follow you guys. Uh, you got a, a really cool thing going on, and so uh, you know, excited to, to continue listening here in the future. Yeah, and from all of us here at uh, Blue and Gold Standard, you can feel free to let old Carson Wentz know congratulations for the engagement. <laughs> I mean, that was the only thing that I beat the Eagles at this year, this week, because I actually did it on Super Bowl Sunday. So there we go. Okay. Congratulations. Way, oh, to, thanks, way to throw so. yourself out there, Wyatt. Yeah. Nice job. Way to, way to, way to, way, nice little self yeah. shout, shout out, Shout out, Lacey. Congrats, <laughs> you. All right, Easton. Really appreciate it, man. Yeah, thanks, guys. See you later. All right, that was Easton. And now we're going to take you. We actually have another guest coming on, so don't touch that radio dial just yet. You're going to listen to the sweet sounds of Philly's Finest. Take a minute, just sit right there. I'll tell you how I became the prince of a town called Bel Air. In West Philadelphia, born and raised on the playground is where I spent most of my days. Chilling out, maxing, relaxing, all cool and all shooting some b-ball outside of the school. When a couple of guys who were up to no good started making trouble in my neighborhood. I got in one little fight and my mom got scared and said, you're moving with your auntie and uncle in Bel Air. I begged and pleaded with her day after day, but she packed my suitcase and sent me on my way. She gave me a kiss and then she gave me my ticket. I put my Walkman on and said, I might as well kick it. First class, yo, this is bad. Drinking orange juice out of a champagne glass. Is this what the people of Bel Air living like? Hmm, this might be all right. But wait, I hear the prissy bourgeois and all that. Is this the type of place that they just send this cool cat? I don't think so. I see when I get there. I hope they're prepared for the Prince of Bel Air. plane landed and when I came out there was a dude look like a cop standing there with my name out I ain't trying to get arrested yet I just got here I sprang with the quickness like it's in the mirror if anything I can say that this cat All right, welcome back to the Blue and Gold Standard. And just like we predicted, we have another guest coming on. So, Jack, do your thing. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. He's very lean, he's not very mean, and he is an absolute refing machine. Star official and offensive lineman, David Squires. Glad to be here, Dave. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Jack. Dave, it is great having you on. 
So, uh, you know, we just got done talking about the Super Bowl and everything. Let's get you kind of used to our blue and gold action. What's your take on that? Well, I thought the Super Bowl was extremely entertaining for an offensive mindset. Somebody that kind of gets into football, you know, has played it for a while, probably was a little frustrated defensively. Uh, but, you know, obviously Foles, uh, he pretty much solidified himself as having a career. Uh, for sure. And his O-line had a lot to do with that. Shout out to the O-line. Yeah, there you go. Um, Love that. By the way, uh, he was totally joking about the lean part. I'm, uh. I'm quite the opposite. <laughs> 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 uh, I thought Brady played great. Uh, that fumble was not his fault. That was a tremendous play. I mean, I mean that was probably the best play in the game. By the O-line? No, <laughs> no, no wrong. No, I, but, I completely no. agree with you, too, because I think there are so many opinions on that with just people, uh, you know, trying to put the blame on Brady in some way, and there's no way you can blame that on him. It's, I mean, <laughs> It's ridiculous, yeah. you know? And, you know, I, I, I saw in the coming weeks, everyone was like, well, are you, are you going to retire yet? Are you going to retire? And, I just I don't understand that question because every time he's in the Super Bowl, it's one of the greatest Super Bowls ever. It's I mean it is entertaining. He I mean they love to come back from behind and it just didn't happen that time. So all the Patriots haters were yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, very true, very true. Getting their fix. <laughs> all right, Dave, we got um we got a little whisper that you're a big NBA fan. You dabble in it. You dabble just a little dabble. bit. All right, so we're gonna throw you right in the fire. Who's your MVP right now so far? Well, I think this year is probably more of a toss-up than regular years. You don't see anybody other than uh, one of them that came out to me was the Greek Freak. I'm not even going to try and say his name. Giannis Antetokounmpo. There you go. <laughs> all right. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> Why it's really proud of himself. Yes, he is. Uh, so, you know, he's come out of nowhere. He, he's obviously got to be in the running. And then I, I think I'd give it to James Harden this year. But, you know, it is LeBron James and – you could give it to him every year. I think it's very similar to how Michael was when Michael was playing. Every year it was, who's the MVP but LeBron James? Yeah, I yeah mean, exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a conversation that people should have every single year. I, I don't know how you can say LeBron's not having a good year any year. I mean, maybe this year, like we were just talking earlier, his numbers aren't necessarily down, but just his team is doing just poorly. So maybe if he pulls them out of the out of the rut that they're coming through just with a superhuman performance more than he already does, maybe I could see them giving it to him. But I would have to agree that I think James Harden is on there. I also um big Warriors fan, so I would also say that like Steph Curry and KD. But again, it's kind of the same thing with LeBron. Like They always just have good seasons. And ever since Steph had that phenomenal season where he won MVP, he's never going to win it again because he will never repeat those stats. It's almost impossible to do that again. Yep. Yeah, I I think it's I have a hard time because even myself wants to do and pick other people, but you look at LeBron and his numbers aren't great and his team's not doing great, but but the way I always I always look at it is you have to look at the most valuable player and so just you have to imagine the absence of that player. If Steph Curry's not on the Warriors, the Warriors are still pretty good. I mean, Kevin Durant's a little bit a little bit different and James Harden I think would would make a would make a decent impact not being on the team. I think Chris Paul can pick up some slack, but I think that they would <clears throat> they'd struggle a little bit more. But I mean, if LeBron James was not on this team right now, it would be. I mean, it would be the nineteen and fifty one whatever team they were the first time they left. It's just so I understand people want to change it up, and people probably get tired of always hearing talking about LeBron. But it's I mean, it's just so hard to not give it to him. See, the biggest problem with trying to decipher who actually should be MVP in the coming years and will happen this 
well, this, this problem will be in the future as well, is that everybody likes to be a super team. You like to play with your AAU buddies. You like to play with your all-stars. So how are you supposed to give the MVP to either a Steph Curry or a Kevin Durant that play on the same team, or even Russell Westbrook now that plays with Paul George and Carmelo Anthony? Like, it just gets tough. Well, it's just, you know, it goes back to people hating on Tom Brady, and I was one of them. Same, I used to hate the Spurs, and then you start to respect them, but people get tired of greatness. That's what that's the fans get tired of consistency, yeah, and they want sure. something new, and that's what this MVP drama is all about. Is I mean, I could see a guy like the Greek Freak winning it just because yep. he's new. Exactly. Yeah. Good point. All right. He's so a uh, future MVP here. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. for yep. sure. And so the next part that's kind of been a big story in the you know past couple of weeks for the NBA have just been the slew of injuries that have been coming through. So do you have any opinions on those? Well, uh, for Boogie, his it's his Achilles, right? Yeah, yeah. And it, is that's that what is that's that what Kobe had? Yeah, um, yeah, Kobe's are, Achilles. Yeah, well. are they? Was they it might be a separate? yeah, it might might be a different one because I think Boogie's timetable is longer than Kobe's was. I think. I think that I'm pretty sure Kobe. I mean, I you think he he would have ripped it entirely? I I think the severity of Boogie's was greater though. Yeah. Um, I mean, but I'm also not, Kobe is. Uh, the same animal, but a different beast. So you can't really put them on the same page as anyone else. Yeah. Well, you know those those types of injuries anywhere on the lower body for a big. I mean, you've seen big guys just go downhill from leg yeah. injuries and stuff like that. So that actually makes me nervous because, I I mean, I don't know if he's going to come back and be the same guy. Right. I, I yeah. honestly doubt he will be as dominant. Can't I mean, hurt his bird any. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's true. No kidding. What about some of the other injuries May, uh, to John Wall? We've also got uh, Kevin Love. And then Przingis got hurt uh, yesterday, two days oh, ago. Yeah, and that, that looks like it's going to be the crippling blow to the Knicks season now. Yeah. yeah. Yep. If, you know, if there wasn't already one already. But... <laughs> There's a lot of things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, uh, John Wall's is interesting because they're on like a five-game winning streak. Yeah, they're killing yeah. it. That's what I think that's crazy. Now their team's starting to come more wow. together than they were when and they had John Wall. He's a little flustered because he, he he's trying to – Instead of celebrating it, he's talking about how, you know, they played the same when he was playing, but they just weren't hitting shots. I think it would be a non-story if he just left it alone, but it seems like he needs to uh, feel like – he feels like he needs to uh, right the wrong and, and try and explain why this is happening. Yeah. It could just be they're just meshing right well. Well, and right I think now. I think it's weird how, how the, the talk this whole time has been – uh, you know, I heard. You know, I heard that John Wall's not that good of a teammate. This and that, and then he goes down with an injury. And now they're playing well. You'd think a good teammate would would just have nothing but respect. But but I think that I think before no one really knew about John Wall's character or the type of teammate he was. But I feel like what he's doing now is opening the door, saying, "Why are you almost not bashing on your team? But why are you not, why are you making excuses? Why are you not just happy like a good teammate would be for your team's success?" Yeah, the Wizards were kind of on a roll, and they're playing very well, but they did just lose to the 76ers last night by 13. So, I mean, that game comes into effect, and then John Wall actually tweeting it, Marcin Gortat, and about that action because Gortat was talking about the great team wins, and then John Wall doesn't know what he's talking about because he gets spoon-fed easy buckets every time. John Wall's out on the court, which is also true because he's one of the true point guards in the league passing-wise, and then... It just makes everything difficult because, I mean, obviously he's the best player on the Wizards when he's healthy and on the court. Brad Bill's a great number two, but it's just 
ridiculous to say that they're a better team without him out on there. And, you know, with the Sixers loss that they just had and with all the team chemistry they have going on, you know, maybe they should take some of that Sixers knowledge. Just trust the process. (laughs) You just got to trust the process. (laughs) That was cute. Thank you. you. I've been thinking about that for a while. (laughs) I let you guys talk, and I just, you know, I was like, how can I incorporate that? Um, I really want to get your opinion on Blake Griffin's first week. He had a pretty good showing. He's averaging the same amount of points and uh, minutes per game that he had when he was with the Clippers and then just that trade in general. Well, you know, I thought that's a good trade. The the reason I liked it is because it just it's setting up another opportunity for a team to get up to the next level. For so long we've seen Warriors Cavs, Warriors Cavs and you know the Rockets are making a push and other teams are trying to put pieces of the puzzle together and I think the Pistons are wanting to do that. Obviously it's working out well for them. I think they're they're undefeated or uh there's something like that since he's been there. Um the thing is he he took a leadership role. Uh, over the last couple of years, and he's going to have to work with a whole different bunch of guys. And uh, I think he'll get there, but that just takes time. And I don't think they're looking for an immediate, uh, you know, championship. Right. I, yeah, I, th- I agree. I think they're trying to – they're going to let it ride out a little bit. They're going to trust the process, just like Austin <laughs> said. Um, what are your thoughts on – because I, I want to talk about this, so I'll just bring it to you. What are your thoughts on Blake Griffin uh, wearing number 23? And I know that was his college number, but I but just uh, just uh, whatever. I'll just shut up. What, just tell, me, tell me what you think. <laughs> well, you know, you just gotta wear what what jersey is comfortable to you. I mean, that's what I've I've had seventy five is my weird thing, and I know twenty three is Michael Jordan and all that. But I think people think into that too much. Yeah. I really do, because I mean, I agree with you. Uh, you know, I just played high school football, and uh, you know, even going back to junior high, I always had eight. And I just played with eight. And even, like, I think still on, like, my emails, my Instagrams, anything like that, like, I still have the number eight somewhere in there. And I don't know what it is. You just feel comfortable with it, <laughs> honestly. And I, I don't know if either of you had just, like, switched numbers or, like, if it was just, you know, maybe Jack with the course of coming to UNK if you had to switch a number. But I think it is just that familiarity with it that even if it's a different color jersey, if it's a different team, if it's an all-star game, you throw on that jersey, you see the number, and you're comfortable yeah, and I think that that's that that is more than likely what the case is. I guess now I could even just spark maybe playing a little bit of the devil's advocate. I mean, it just makes you wonder. Like, uh, I I have kept my same number for football for the majority of my life at fifty four. I've had to switch around with other because when you play little kid basketball, you're automatically when you're the fat kid, you have to take the higher number. <laughs> yeah, and I like four. You should have been double zero. Yeah, that's I, another choice. For I wanted kids. To, I wanted <laughs> to be four, but but twenty five it had to be because that was the <laughs> largest jersey they had, but. But from the devil's advocate uh, standpoint, that wasn't the – I mean, I'm pretty sure that he could have taken 23 when he signed with the Clippers. I don't think that that was a, a, an issue at all. I just thought it was interesting that he flipped back to it. And, it does. I mean, I the reason I almost looked at it with a little concern, maybe you call it, is just because the only people who wear number 23 are the two greatest players to ever play the game. And I – and Kobe I, wore 24. Oh, clever. <laughs> He's not. But if, in, in James and... Steve Nash wore 13. <laughs> uh, Chris Birdman and Anderson's had a lot of different jerseys. Yeah. So Scalabrini, I, really I think, was 44. So. <laughs> so. No, but I, I just I thought that was really interesting. And I and, 24 in college. Though. Yeah, that right. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, something like that. And Blake Griffin, I guess, didn't really make a big deal about it. But I, th- I, I, just, I thought it was interesting that he... You could make the case, like, does he think he's going to go to that level? Does he see himself as that level? I don't know. I, I guess I was just, just curious. Yeah, I mean, I could I could see a self confidence thing, you know, um, and I could. What I honestly think is, 
he he's going to a new place. He's thinking new things. He wants to turn in the leaf a little, a little bit different. Yeah, you know? and I don't think he's doing it to out of arrogance or you know overconfidence or anything like that. I think he just is. Look, I'm at a new place. I'm going to get a new number. I'm going to go back to my college number, and I'm going to roll with it. And we're going to do something special here. And he, I don't think he wanted it to have the same vibe. Yeah, I think I, I agree with that too. I mean, we've seen uh, bigger profile names like LeBron when he went down to Miami. He changed to six. That's a drastic change. And I yeah. mean, people would have offered him 23. He could have taken it, but that's a whole different LeBron. Is yeah. you know that six jersey in the Miami Heat, black, white, or red. That's a completely different LeBron that we think of than in the Cleveland Cavaliers 23. And I remember when he was moving back to Cleveland, and everyone was like, "Oh, is he going to stay with six or 23?" And there was no doubt in my mind he was going to stick with 23. That's his Cleveland number. Right. That's who he is as a player in Cleveland is wearing 23. Yeah, I think that's fair. Well, speaking of Cleveland, Dave, what are your what are your thoughts on uh, on what in the world is going on with the Cavaliers? Basically, <laughs> I enjoy it. <laughs> no, of course you I'm, do. I'm I'm not a huge LeBron fan, but like I said about Tom Brady and the Spurs, I've learned to respect him. But uh, I I listened to your show a little earlier, and I I heard you guys talking about how it, it's got a different vibe to it, and it does. I think there's some real problems, and I think a big issue is the little man, Isaiah Thomas. Um, I I think he has come in and just not meshed well. I'm not saying he's a bad teammate, but I think he just didn't mesh well with this group, and he doesn't mesh well with the king. He wants it a certain way, and if somebody wants to poke at it, you get out of here. And I think ultimately that's kind of what happened with Kyrie, is he, he wanted to do something different, and so he found his way out. But I honestly think it's a big issue right now, but they still have LeBron James, and I could see them at least getting to the finals yeah. again. Well, I, I think that get him in the dance. That's yeah. all. Yeah. Just get him yeah, in yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah. You have to one. You have to wonder with Isaiah Thomas. I mean, in reality, I don't. I mean, I don't think he has some serious hate, but he didn't want to. He didn't choose to go there. He didn't want to go there. He. I mean, he didn't even want to leave. So the fact that he gets thrown on a team, which is a good team, but I mean, still, like you said, there's personalities involved. It's and and he was the star at at, at uh, in Boston. I think that that probably makes a huge difference that he's gonna have to take that side role because he may be small, but I think he he's been the star from every team he's ever played on. Yeah. Going back to Washington and and right away, I think that he's never had to take that side role, and and I think we're starting to see he's the type of guy who doesn't take that side role whatsoever. Well, even when he was paired with Boogie in uh, Sacramento, he did not play well with that. Like he hated that. So as soon as he got the chance to be his own man. Al Horford was a good player and is a good player for the Celtics, but he's not the face of any franchise by any means. He is by no means are you going to put Al Horford up on a banner and sell tickets with him in, you know, a Celtics uniform. It was Isaiah Thomas that got people in the stands. It was Isaiah Thomas that got them to the playoffs, and it was Isaiah Thomas that got them the number one seed. And he felt disrespected in that regard, and I feel like he doesn't want to go back to that at all. He's probably just wanting that role again, and maybe it is just a, a you know, a headbanging of alpha males just against LeBron and Isaiah. I think they're kind of talking about it, uh, you know, through the media to each other. And I've been thinking about that quite a bit because how do you get two alpha males of that regard and of good talent? Because Isaiah's a good athlete, but everyone knows that is LeBron's team. He's basically the GM half the time and the head coach. I mean, what what can you do about that? So here's my question. Uh, you know, a lot of people have been talking about are they going to trade LeBron James? Are they going to trade LeBron James? They're not going to trade LeBron James. No. I wish they would. You know how crazy <laughs> that if they open that insane. up? insane. Yeah. But here's a more realistic one. Are they going to trade Isaiah Thomas? And I don't think so. 
because I don't think there's going to be a lot for him right now. But I could see it, and I was wondering what you guys thought on that. Well, see, that's actually funny because we'll kind of move on to our next topic, which is the trade deadline. And I think the topic of trading Isaiah Thomas is kind of on uh, everyone's mind because I think everyone except LeBron, of course, is probably on that trading block somewhere, and especially that Brooklyn Nets pick that if you're looking towards the future as a Cavaliers franchise, you're probably expecting LeBron's going to be going here soon. I'm not trading that pick if I'm a GM because you have to build in this draft. You have to know that you have to get some guy that you can sell out stadium seat or arena seats for the next three, four, five years with that pick. If you trade that pick for this one season, yeah, maybe you'll get to the finals, but everyone else is too good right now. You just have to wait your time, you know? Yeah, I think it's I think that's a really good point you just made. I think it's a totally different ball game. Um like I think that before LeBron, they they could just cruise and and whatever. But I think that the the status of the NBA and the competition of the NBA has has risen so much within the past couple of years that I mean I think maybe they do need to resort back to building. I mean Dave, you know that's how it goes with football. You, JUCOs and stuff like that it isn't the answer. Maybe it'll it'll benefit you. You might you might go to the playoffs if you get a really good JUCO batch. But if you want to be successful in a competitive area. You have to start from the beginning, and you have to build up, and you have to work in that regard. So I think that that that's an interesting thought because I know LeBron is all about never, never taking rookies, never taking any pick, always wanting the newest guy. But maybe with how the competition is shifting, that might be something they need to start looking into, and he can take him and and develop him himself. Well, it's kind of like I, I I was just thinking about it, and it's kind of like you know LeBron's been doing this his in what the last. Seven, eight years kind of making his own team. Yeah. You know, going elsewhere and whatever he – I mean, he makes the team. Uh, it's not – it's it's all fresh faces. They, they have no camaraderie. Uh, that kind of reminds me of uh, Kentucky where, right. you know, there's some years where they're dominant and there's some years where they struggle. LeBron has not struggled. They've had spurts in the season where they've struggled. But then, you know, they get it going because they all finally end up meshing, well, maybe this year's different. Yeah, and maybe and maybe that, you know, like if you, you can kind of, you know, slowly figure out the process and you'll win here and there, but, yeah, that competition, maybe you're going to lose. You're going to continue to lose if you're going to try to build this during the season. You know, you can blame this all on the Warriors. I'll, I'll fully admit it. We're, we're skating around the fact that this is the Warriors' fault. Everyone's championship window shortened significantly once the Warriors built a team of Kevin Durant and Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, everybody else that's on that roster. This is everyone else. Everyone else in the NBA is trying to beat the Warriors now, and no one is looking towards the future except for teams like the Sixers, who realize, you know, we're gonna wait out until the Warriors are done being the Warriors. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, you never know when maybe KD loves it too much there. You never know. Everyone else is just waiting for the Warriors dynasty to end, and then everyone else will pick back up after that. Well, you know, the interesting thing about the Warriors is. They weren't all trades. Kevin yeah. Durant was the big trade. Yeah. But other than that, they did well, it. They built it by the book. Yeah, they built well, yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, you're completely right. I mean, they picked up all the right players. They won a championship on their own, and we're the greatest regular season team or team up until the finals, at least, uh, to ever play in the NBA history until, of course, 3-1. to one. Um, You really can't deny that in any in any aspect they were a great team and then they added Kevin Durant which made them even better and they didn't have as great a regular season but there's no doubt anyone in a GM's mind an owner's mind any head coach in the NBA a scout that you have to look 
four to five years in the future when Steph is 34, when KD is 35, when all these players are going to be past their prime and then they're going to be in the LeBron James stage where they're just trying to get that last ring. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And, and and just to go back really quickly, you can say what you want about Kevin Durant. I don't have the greatest feelings towards Kevin Durant for making that move. But, I mean, what an incredible move by the Warriors front office. I mean, they they completely have changed the NBA, like we talked about the, from the competitive level. So I don't necessarily love the Warriors at all, and I don't necessarily love Kevin Durant anymore at all. But, I mean, that was a fantastic move. And I, I just mean just hats off to them for turning the NBA into something a lot more competitive. How about that new crazy rumor? LeBron James LeBron. to the Warriors. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Nah. They, if, he already if, shot that one. If down. LeBron yeah, James went to the Golden State Warriors, they could only play with five players. You you get no bench. Yeah. You always have to play. No, that only, only four. They get a fifth. Yeah, man. yeah. Like, Maybe four. Yeah. Four on the court. How, who do you who do you start where? Like I don't understand. Like no. They, they had start LeBron at the one. Clearly, he's the only one who can run point on that team. You take and that then back. Steph Curry. At two. <laughs> He's Whatever. Not a point guard. Well, here, you know, the thing, it's just, I, it's funny that that was even a conversation for even as minuscule as it was for like the two minutes that people were like, oh, what if he goes? And, um, it's, you know, everyone was like, oh, when Kevin goes to the Warriors, who's going to hold on to the ball? Who's going <laughs> to score 30 points? And if LeBron goes, well, they're either going to have to score 150 points so everyone yeah. <laughs> gets their 30 points a game, or one person's going to score 40 and everyone else has to score their 15. I don't know how that works, yeah. but it's just that doesn't make any sense. LeBron is an alpha male. He's not going to go around four other alpha males. That doesn't make any right. sense. I mean, that is when you think of that, that is when you envision yourself as a little kid playing NBA Live 05 <laughs> and you're like I can trade all these players and you put them you put a, a roster of 10 of the top 10 guys on a team Turn and you cap. Yeah, yeah right <laughs> yeah exactly. that's what you have to do and you just yeah you just go that is what that reminds me of is is playing a video game so that I mean that's essentially just turning all your guys stats up to 99 being like wow there's no competition yeah here I'm so NBA. good at this game yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Every ten year old that ever played, those, yeah. we all had the. Everyone can here can admit that, right? Like oh, we yeah. all played NCA thirteen, and we all stacked the stats up all oh. the way through. Whatever, Wyatt. Yeah, you're like twenty eight. <laughs> so Wyatt. what does it matter? <laughs> no. Well, Dave's like forty four. So <laughs> uh, it is what it is. <laughs> My name is Wyatt Pfeiffer, and I play by the book. <laughs> yeah, I, I play. I started a franchise with our dynasty with Kansas and on Heisman. And Just worked he, it he up. started from the bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah we scraped past <laughs> FCS Midwest our first game, and then we ended up beating Oklahoma. It was a heck of a uh, ride. All that work on NCA didn't do you much. I know. You know he lost. Navy, Navy beat Toledo, and Florida State beat Nebraska. Tick-tack, I was both. The, I was both of those wins. Just saying, but uh, uh, maybe some other trades are you on the lookout for, Dave? Anything you've got your eye on? Well, you know, with how well. From from Cleveland, who can't can't talk to each other, to Boston, who meshes so well, and then there's the rumor that they're trying to get Tyreek Evans. Yeah, you yeah. know, I don't even know if that's a great idea at the moment. I don't know if you like to mess around with egos again. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of egos when it comes to people getting paid millions of dollars to play basketball. Yeah, absolutely. they all think they're the best, and and they got something good going right now. And I know it might not be the best this year because Gordon Hayward's injury and all that. But, I mean, in the years coming, they're scary. Yeah. How about uh, Kemba Walker? You know, I don't don't think they're going to trade him unless – they would have to get a king's ransom, a Michael, yeah. a Michael Jack, the king's ransom. Yeah. Essentially, yeah. I mean, like you, you're gonna have to get, you know, Kemba for LeBron. <laughs> I mean, so, 
That's what we he had the Yeah, that's why, what I said. Why, so t- why MJ could get why, him? Why, on why the do team you yeah, tell the conspiracy and then again? Bench him the whole rest oh. of his career. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Trying to ruin his career. <laughs> Who's the best now, LeBron? Yeah. <laughs> I, <laughs> How's that pine feel, bud? <laughs> Go work on your hairline. <laughs> Jeez, well, that's, that's a low one. Now you're just that's mean. Hey, I, I was just embodying yeah. Michael Jordan yeah. and <laughs> what he would probably say. That's a low one. He would be a lot. Less They'd play nice a lot of golf together. Could you imagine the commercials those two could have, like, all over the board? I mean, <laughs> Charlotte Hornets, they'd just be one of the best marketed teams of all time. You'd have Michael Jordan sitting on the sideline and LeBron James sitting next to him. There yeah, is pretty no, big memes. There is no <laughs> better guys. duo. There is no better duo than Charles Barkley and Shaquille O'Neal. And I don't want to hear about it. Let's hear it. Because they're the best. <laughs> man, Shaq, what you talking about, man? You're a knucklehead. It'd be like a weight loss commercial, too. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, oh goodness. I love back it. On, back on the trade I block. don't know if I can get back on the trade block oh, after that. Oh, we got to. So you think DeAndre Jordan's moving somewhere? Clippers kind of cleaning house. Yeah, I mean. I well, just, what do you trade him for? Yeah. I, I mean, he's, I think, he's essentially a free agent with, like, market value right now. Like, you're, you're trying to trade him for something, right? You'd think, picks. Yeah, you'd think picks, but I just don't know where. I don't know where he's. See, I he's saw one go. possibility of Gortat and some picks from the Wizards go over to that. Washington. That'd be nice. I, I don't. I don't think. But then again, I am. Washington I feel like guy. Jordan's gonna like what you're saying with team dynamic. I think that's just unless they want another John Wall and just get rid of Gortat. I don't know. I don't know. I I, just, I I think they're gonna have to go after a score because well, hey, Lou, just so I'm up to date, Lou Williams has not been traded anywhere, correct? No, I think he's actually getting re-signed. Oh, is that I think, right? I think they're I, extending him. I had seen talk about about sending him and Jordan out and just, I mean, pulling, like seriously pulling a 76ers and just restarting. But the, So, I mean, if that was the case, I think they would have to go after a score. But like we said, I don't know who you go after. I don't really know who's up. I mean, maybe in a weird world, they, that's the that's where Isaiah Thomas goes if, if it just doesn't work out. But... I mean, maybe a Kevin Love too, but I mean, it just seems so hard to to find a scorer who's who'd want to go to the fresh new Clippers, who's either you know old. Well, it's not what the player wants. Yeah. at that point. I mean, yeah, it, yeah, you're right. It's not. And I I don't know. I just I think it's always going to be those minute players that we're not on the radar for just yet. That's going to be that you know that fourth shooter or whatever for whatever team on the Jazz or someone that gets traded to the Cavs and he's the guy that like takes them or you know whatever the case is. It's always one of those smaller ones. You never see like the bigger trades actually work out half the time. Um, of course, the Boogie one worked out pretty well for them until of course the Achilles injury. So um, it was the- their Achilles heel. Oh, okay. <laughs> now Dave's getting involved. Yeah, that was Dave show, Dave's showing his age with the dad joke. Yeah. <laughs> but, okay, so I know this isn't an NBA trade, but I saw an interesting thing uh, with Kirk Cousins. So we saw Alex Smith got traded last week to Washington. They're, the Washington front office is debating franchise tagging him again for a third season, which would put him at a cap hit of $34 million, making him the highest paid single player in NFL history by a long shot in guaranteed money. And they're thinking of signing him on that franchise tag once again and then trying to trade him, kind of like how NBA does a sign-in trade. I think that's a horrible idea. If he signs that, no one's going to take that. They're going to be like, yeah, sit on your two quarterbacks that are worth $88 million (laughs) against your cap. That's a terrible idea. Yeah, I don't. I don't see the. I, I really. This is odd, but I don't even see any philosophy in it. And I feel no. Like, I feel like I should be wrong because well, I'm not the GM. I'm not the person handling this. But in reality, I just think it's preposterous. And the worst part here is like 
honestly, guys, who wins that quarterback battle? <laughs> like, really? Like, hey, checkdowns for days. All right, you got. We're getting into third and manageable. That's I what we're know. trying to be. Okay, we're gonna be in practice. Like, Kirk Cousins is gonna get water first. Turn around and go. You like that? <laughs> <laughs> you like that? That's that great. I, honestly, we should get Kirk Cousins to New York in some way. Either he needs to be on the Jets or just backing up. Eli Manning with the Giants and just have so many sound bites because he has so many good things. <laughs> no. I just love everything that he says, especially to like, what was it, the general manager at the scout or whatever on the Redskins? He would go up to him after every touchdown. He'd just be like, You like that? You'd like yell at him every time. I love it. I think that's amazing. No, I think Cousins is going to move on and I'm going to have to hate him because he's going to go to the Donkeys. Like, that's no, just no, what's no. inevitably going to happen. They're taking Josh Allen. No. Yes. Broncos can't draft a quarterback. They're going to they take Josh Allen. No. Yeah. All right. Or they're bringing back Tebow. We can all pray. <laughs> right? I think we can all hope for that. All right. So, Dave, we're about to head to break. You got any final thoughts for us? Hey, all you Loper fans, get out and go to Loper games, you know? I know it's. I know you want to go two and a half hours to Lincoln and have a good time over there, but there's a lot of good things happening down here. And uh, get out there and support them because they certainly appreciate it. We do. I love it. There Love we go, it, Dave. What a finish! He By the old Dave, man himself. He Dave wins home. Bleeds blue and gold. Over I've been there. here thirty-seven years. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's been progressing. Dave, when is yeah. the uh, uh, UNK spring game? April twenty-seven. Yeah, I'll be watching it. Yeah, there's only <laughs> there's, there's yeah, only seventy-five hundred so tickets. Yeah, Dave, play, yeah, Dave can't play in the spring because of his eligibility because he's ninety-five. So. <laughs> So he'll be actually. No, that's broken here. hip. It's not eligibility. Yeah, yeah. He's I'll be actually, out there in my walker. He's, yeah. he's still on medical redshirt from last year. They just keep keep, keep yeah. passing it on from year to year. God, just are you done yet, Dave? One nope. more year. <laughs> it's like that that SpongeBob episode where the guy's like at the hospital. He's like, every morning I wake up and I break my my arms, <laughs> and then when I wake up at night, I break both my legs. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, we'll definitely. We're going to try to get as many people out to those games as possible. I know I love doing the broadcasting and stuff. I've always enjoyed going to the Loper games. I went to a couple of the football games myself, had pretty good seating for all of them, so I always love doing that. So we're going to get as many people out there. We're going to be your escorts out there, Dave. We're, we're going to get as many people to these games as possible. I appreciate that. <laughs> all right, with that, we had uh, Dave on the show, so we're going to catch you to break, but don't touch that radio dial. We're going to bring you back with some music, as well as our Blue and Gold Showdown. Yo, I got the 
rock in my hands. Ain't no telling what I'm gonna do with it. Okay. When I got position, I'ma have to fool with it. I might cross you up and fake one way. Turn around and hit you with the MJ fadeaway. I'm throwing down passes like J. Kidd. Taking uh -huh. cats to the rack and I'm dunking on them like C. Mac. When I'm in the plan, I play with that Alonzo style. I'm like Darius, cause I can show too many players get offers like me. Uh -huh. Back and forth, I likely shake the checks off your Nikes. And I stood at the draft cause it looked like a free throw when I be shooting from half the first step like Iverson blow past you usually nothing but I blast in the paint the defense so shook they don't know if I'ma put up a slow hook or dish off a no look to draw the lane would be dumb no cause I sent it back at you then give you the finger like a tumbo shorty over the summer you might have boosted an inch but as long as fabulous is playing get used to the bench and see my game consists of a whole lot of moves you would think I learned from the Harlem Globetrotters JD gonna lead us to a ring Fab and Bow Wow's the only players that make cheerleaders wanna sing yeah, put it up put it up put it up put it up Welcome back to the Blue and Gold Standard, and now I believe it's our favorite time of the show. It's time for our Blue and Gold Showdown. Woo! So this week we've got from Wyatt's Mind coming out. So we've got which professional athlete duo would you volunteer as tribute to win the Hunger Games? I think we're going to have a pretty good debate going on here. So uh, we're picking, uh, you can pick any type of professional athlete. Uh, from where their current state is right now. So they can be an athlete playing professionally currently. They can be an athlete that's retired and maybe uh, gone on to do other things, uh, maybe some different hobbies in their life. I think that's going to influence some of our decisions. Uh, Jack, why don't you lead us off? All right. Well, I did a lot of thinking about <clears throat> about my team and, and Hunger Games and skill and, and, and strength and intelligence. And what I kind of came down to is you just have to be – you have to have some talent, but you just got to be crazy. Really, you just have to be crazy, and you have to want to kind of kill someone. Because, I mean, a lot of people, they don't want to, but they do. But if you can get someone who already wants to kill someone, you're in a good position. So my number one is going to start with Meta World Peace and or Ron Artest and or whatever his real name is. Do you guys know his name right now at all? I have no I idea. I have no idea. Yeah, I think Panda, Panda Love. Panda, okay, so Panda either, Love. either way, that guy, that guy, I'm going to take him oh, because as Panda's you... Panda's friend, I think. Yeah, the, the Panda's friend. Okay, the Panda's so, friend? Yeah. His first name is anybody. The? Okay, so I'm going to take I'm gonna take the Panda's friend, and <laughs> I'm going to take him because if you do... I mean, he was quite the the heavyweight fighter uh, in basketball, and he was very... He was hard... fighting defenseless stand, like well, spectators. I, oh, like... yeah, I was going to get to that. I was like, <laughs> he was... threw water at him. <laughs> hey, he was he was aggressive on the court, and he'd foul hard, and he, and he didn't take any crap from anyone, but he actually would go... I, he would go into the crowd, as we saw, and he would wail on anyone he pleased because he is a psycho, and I think he's a great pick. So after him, my second pick is going to come to a... I just... I thought in my head, you know, big, strong, fast, athletic... And and just and I, I put things in my head and I thought of scary and intimidating, and one one image or video clip that popped in my mental head was a video of a uh, of an ISO to the left by Michigan running back oh only boy. to be destructed, destructed, and then blown back, fumble the ball while on top picks up with one hand. This man I'm talking about is Mr. Jadavion Clowney. And for those of you who have are, are computer accessible or maybe know what I'm talking about, 
if you have any doubts on how crazy this individual is, because yeah, you have to remember, he plays in the NFL. Those are some big dudes. You're not necessarily saying everyone's going to be in the NFL. But if you have any doubt in what I'm talking about, look up Jadavion Clowney high school highlights because he was a running back, and that is petrifying. Six foot five, 24 years of age, ran his 40-yard dash in 4.53 seconds. That's insane. Do you know who runs four fives? Receivers. Yes. Defensive backs. Even some kick returners. Rex Burkhead's was four eight, so I mean he could outrun Rex Burkhead, I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he's fa- he's faster than Rex Moneyman Burkhead. Not Manzel. Money not, Man. Not no. Whoa, yeah. whoa, watch that. So those are my two. Yeah, those I those are pretty good. I mean, you've got you got the Pandas friend, Meta World Peace, Ron Artest. I think he's going to be the aggressor. That's three and one. That's I mean, God. honestly, yeah. I mean, that's God. If three schizophrenia was a, a part of this game, like no one would want to mess with him. Like <laughs> honestly, and then Jadavian Clowney, talk about just intimidation. He could probably just you. You don't want to see him one on one anywhere, whether it's in the hole, whether it's you know fighting out amongst the trees or whatever the Hunger Games <laughs> really <laughs> is. Like or I don't getting know groceries from Walmart. <laughs> like you don't want to see him anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Wyatt, lead off. All right, I'll lead off with that intimidation factor. I know we talked about killing people, but that's beside the point. Who knows? Um, I'm going to oh. go with intimidation, and I have to go with that massive entrance walk of Ray Lewis, the Hall of Famer. Wow. This man is scary. I mean, you talk about Jadavion Clowney scary. Ray Lewis might be one man who is scary than scarier than Jadavion I think Clowney. he could submit people with his pregame speeches, too. If you've yeah. ever listened to those. I think that that's more intimidating than sometimes his play in some just games. His, just his entrance dance that he does. <laughs> the I mean, squirrel dance? Oh. Is he going to do that at Canton, do you think? I think he'll come out to the squirrel dance? He started doing it on his way at the NFL Awards show, actually, when they introduced him. I bet he does. I bet I he bet does he it. Does yeah. Too. And yeah. he does it to the whatever Hall of Fame music, and yeah, they'll put they the jacket on him. They need to have fire shooting up at least, though. With smoke. Mm-hmm. The used smoke coming out. And then my number two of the duo who's going to team up with Ray Lewis is none other than Bo Jackson. And I'm talking about Bo Jackson right now, not even like during his prime, because Bo is a big hunting man. And I can tell you a story. One time he was face-to-face with a black bear, shot it with a pistol point-blank range, and then fired off a second shot after the bear fell on him and then skinned it on spot and drugged that bear back to the camp 70 pounds. So Bo knows right. Hunger Games then. Oh yeah, Bo knows Hunger Games. So does Ray. Oh boy. He's got, got the bow and arrow. He's got the arrow tactic oh, too. Yeah. Alright, I think I've got both of you guys in this because I feel like there's no one scarier than James Harrison. I'm just going to leave that out there. He needed no introduction. The dude is a freak. Also, have you seen his hip thrust workouts? They are insane. He just puts all that weight like a deadlift onto his hips and he is just, I mean, he wears those all gray, extra, extra, extra <laughs> large sweats and hoodies and he will. he is a freak when it comes to like working out and lifting, all that kind of stuff. Uh, He is one of the toughest guys I've ever seen play the game of football as well. He, I mean, he's... He's the reason the concussion rule has come into effect. Like he, <laughs> he single-handedly killed two Cleveland Browns players yeah, in his did. time he in was one game. Find every other game. Yeah. It seemed like. Also, yeah, he's, he's bald, impressive. so you know can't that tug on scarier. the hair. That's can't tug scarier. on the hair. You know, bald head. Can't tug on the hair. Dave and Clowney. I got a bald here. See, I'm just saying you got you got to think ahead. And also thinking ahead, you know, you try to get. You know, I thought I think I overthought this with my dodgeball team. That's why I ended up losing. Is because I try to think of like smaller, shiftier players that could avoid you know getting hit and all that all that good stuff and you know you just can't hit what you can't see so john cena 
out there is going to get out. I know, I would play the music again, but I feel like it's just overkill at this point. But you can't kill what you can't see. And then also John Cena, he's a force in himself. Now, he's a pretty nice guy. I feel like he could create allies. I think that that's important in these Hunger Games. I, In all honesty, I have no idea how the Hunger Games work. I've never watched any of the movies. Are you kidding? No, I've never seen the movies nor read the books. So this was kind of a shot in the dark for me. So I'm going to go James Harrison, John Cena. So, Which is pretty weird because... Those are pretty good picks. I'm not gonna lie, John yeah. Cena's a really good one. You got you got you got to think the full strategy here. You got to think. All right, so now we're gonna get to one of my favorite parts of it, and I think we have our sound effect going now. Oh, we did it! Heck yeah, there it is. So this is gonna be our scandal of the week. Hopefully, anyone listening at home or in the car there didn't think any you're getting pulled over. So <laughs> our scandal of the week, Jack, lead us off. So a scandal of the week <clears throat> that I. I mean, I guess you can call it a scandal. I just thought it was really interesting. Uh, there was a there was a trade for Russell Wilson that went on, except it wasn't in the NFL. The Rangers made a trade to essentially have possession of Russell Wilson with the Yankees. So now the Yankees own Russell Wilson, which made big news on ESPN and other spots. But it's a little interesting because I just don't even – like, who cares? It doesn't even <laughs> matter. He's not going to do – like, that's great. If there's another lockout, he'll play a couple games. But, I mean, I just think it's weird. I, I don't know. I have no idea. So that was mine. Russell Wilson, congrats on going to the Yankees. Hey, big You're, Yankees guy. Yeah, big yeah. Yankees guy, that Russell Wilson. Big yeah. Yankees guy. I'm it's glad. I'm glad it's, like, it's like little girls. There's like a third grade thing where little girls are fighting over you. Like, no, I want him. It's like, well, it doesn't matter because he's going to go for that girl anyway. I don't which know. is the Seahawks or even the NFL. Or Sierra. I mean, his wife. Yeah. Have you seen her? Oh, future, I think. future's baby mama. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes. That too. I thought that was interesting. <laughs> that is my scandal. All right. So for my scandal of the week, the Los Angeles Lakers, what are you doing? You've been caught tampering with Giannis once again. You're fined $50,000. Magic Johnson just doesn't care. He sits down in interviews. He's like, yeah, I really like that guy from Milwaukee. I'm not going to say his name because he'll get fined. Giannis, you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> like, he just, I don't need, I didn't hear the interview. I didn't hear anything like that. But this is like the second or third time that they've, this isn't just happened with Giannis either. This is the second time with Giannis. It's like two or three times with other players that they just openly I think it's just the brashness and the arrogance of the Los Angeles Lakers to just say whatever they want and get they'll pay whatever money they have to, and it doesn't matter. They just don't care. Yeah, I feel like Magic Johnson just thinks he can get away with whatever he wants with that smile. I mean, it looks like <sighs> he has like 90 smile. teeth. Beautiful though. smile. It's so huge. 143. 143 teeth? All That's right, a Wyatt you. stat. A fun fact, <laughs> there's actually 143 teeth in Magic Johnson's mouth. How is there an odd number amount? I don't know. There's 87 on the top row, and then I can't <laughs> do the math for the bottom. Yeah, I'm no math and magician, all right? <laughs> Shut up, guys. You know I don't do geography well. <laughs> but you know who does do math pretty well? That would be none other than Rob Gronkowski. Yo soy fiesta. Rob was actually robbed. This past week, wait a minute, Super Bowl Sunday. Wait, Rob how, do, how does that make Rob. him good at math? Rob. He, no, he is good at math, though. Oh, that, that was just <laughs> a little segue into my I thought, okay, all right. Yeah. <laughs> no, but apparently, someone broke into the Gronkowski household on Super Bowl Sunday weekend and stole a safe and some guns. Who knows those in the safe, but they took guns too. I mean, so talk I about know. kicking someone when they're down. That is yeah. that is the epitome. That's I mean, they knew he was gonna be gone. Like Well yeah, yeah that's, that's that's fair. It's not like he was they're like, Oh, come on guys, he's he I think I hear the door opening. Like, no. 
It's definitely not. It's well, that's what if he wasn't gone? You <laughs> that's something that? you, you almost don't even think about. Like I know that your parents teach you, oh, if you go on vacation, don't post anything till you get back yeah. about the vacation. But it's, I mean, you don't even think about that. Yeah. Like, oh, if we go to the Super Bowl. Everyone loves the Super Bowl. I'm in the Super Bowl. Yay me! Like, I don't know. Yeah. You just would never think that anything would happen in in his own home. It's not like he it was in his hotel in Minnesota or whatever. It's. I'm like, just more interested in what was in that safe. Were they? deflated balls were they gronk spiked balls were they four locos i don't even know like you you know you know because with gronk anything could technical be in there difficulties with all that salt pouring onto the microphone right no now? i'm just saying with gronk you have no idea what could be in that safe i mean it could just be a bunch of his old jerseys it could be anything like he's just such a wild card that you honestly have no idea what could just like what he finds valuable i would really like to know honestly one Probably uh, like a uh, leader of cola yeah rock honestly, collection a leader or something. of cola I'll have a liter of cola. <laughs> All right, yeah, so, Wyatt, what's on your mind right now? See, the state of the Patriots is actually on my mind, and it's been going all helter-skelter all over the place. I just don't know what to think of it because I've always stuck with my guns. People saying that Bill Belichick's going to leave, and I say, no way. Why would he leave? Like, Josh McDaniels and Pat, Matt Patricia are both gone. Oh, wait, Josh McDaniels is staying? Okay, that made me kind of worried for a little bit, so now I'm not sure. Is this Bill Belichick's last year? Is he going to end the next Super Bowl? I thought he was going to last longer than Brady's career did, actually. But maybe he's moving on. And I don't know. I don't see him retiring, but maybe moving on from the Patriots just to see if he can win a Super Bowl with another franchise to kind of assert himself. Because he's already the greatest coach of all time. Could he pull a Coughlin and maybe take like a president's or GM role or something like that? I can't imagine him being like the figure of a... I mean, I know he's a head coach, but I'm talking like going to a conference and speaking. Yeah. I don't know about <laughs> yeah. like a GM, yeah. though, like behind-the-scenes kind of guy. We're on to February 8th. <laughs> we're on to the next meeting. Yeah. You'll see it in the memo. <laughs> we're, on, we're on to draft day. Yeah. <laughs> and it's draft day. We're on to the first game of the year. <laughs> it's not a preseason. Exactly. But, yeah, I mean, that's it's such an interesting thing, especially with the McDaniels thing that just happened, because we had talked before on this show that that easily was one of the most talented, if not – maybe the most talented uh, staff in the entire league in history with Matt Patricia and Josh McDaniels and all the other uh, people that are on that staff. I mean, Belichick can replace those guys, and he's been known to have success, but it does get harder, and he knows that. And who knows? Maybe this is just – there's been a lot of stuff going on with the Patriots. I mean, between all the scandals, um, the tension uh, reportedly between Kraft, Belichick, uh, Brady, and then the rest of the Patriots players, and now – yeah, and now with Butler and all the other issues that have been coming up, who knows? Like, honestly, you never know what the stress is going to do to somebody. And th- someone that I, like, keep thinking back on is uh, Bill Snyder for Kansas State. I mean, he they haven't had any major scandals. They haven't even been, like, a very uh, overly competitive team. I think they, they'll make the bowl games every year. You know, they'll go 6-6, six and 7-5. Six, and five, But – He's been there forever, and he's built them back up. They He's tried to retire, and then they bring him back in, and then he tries to retire, and then they bring him back in. And it's just – you just wonder how much stress that puts on someone and how much, like, how much you can handle until your breaking point is reached. And who knows with Belichick? Like, honestly, we've never seen that before with him because it's never shown. He's one of the most emotionless robots you'll ever meet. So, you know, you just you just never understand, you know? Yeah, I I, I think that's pretty well said. All right. 
We're going to go injury of the week, and I took the lead because I want Austin. I would like you to start us off. Oh, okay, perfect. Well, so as Wyatt was saying, we just, again, like to say congrats, Wyatt. You got engaged this weekend. You, yeah, you know, thank you. took a knee. We're on, we're on, we're on to the marriage. Yeah, well, we're, on we're, the marriage. On, we're on to that. So Wyatt uh, got down on a knee and uh, proposed, got engaged this weekend, and so did somebody else. Wyatt did beat this man to the punch, the only Patriot to beat an Eagle this week, and it was Carson Wentz. So congrats to Carson Wentz. I just have a question for you. How tore up was your ACL that you couldn't play in the Super Bowl, but you could get down on a knee to get engaged? I'm just wondering because, you know, Nick Foles is now out for your job, all that kind of stuff, you know, whatever, besides me. I just thought, you know, open quarterback competition. I'd hope all the Eagles uh, coaches are looking at that picture and wondering the same thing. That's just – why do you think those things? I'm just why saying, you, like, did you see the degree of, like, how his knee was bent and the degree of angle? There was no brace on that are knee either. Are you sure that it didn't get cleared? Do no. You, no, he, no way he can be cleared in this time. <laughs> he tore that ACL in December. No way that he's ready. He should have played in that Super Bowl. He knows better. So – <laughs> Okay. Come on, Carson. All right. He'll Wyatt. probably go out hunting tomorrow, too, and he's probably not going to carry anything I said. No, so. good for Carson Wentz. He got a ring, and so did his wife. That's all good. Well, he got two rings. Future wife. He got two rings. He did, he, the, how many times do I got to tell you? The guy doesn't wear the ring yet. Like, you keep asking to see mine. It's not there. It's not a thing. Look, man, I don't understand how this marriage thing works. I'll get there, but, you know. No, you're going to be that he, just awesome uncle. Yeah, right? I'll, I'll be there. I thought that's what Wyatt was going to be, but here we are. I mean, here we are. Yeah. <laughs> All right, All right now I'll move on to my injury of the week. Uh, so, Bulls fans, you might want to look out because, I mean, your rookie star, Lori Markkinen, is out with a quarter-million-dollar injury. What do you mean, Wyatt? I mean that it takes about a quarter-million dollars to raise a child till they're 17 years old, and he's out with paternity leave, <laughs> not playing. So, I mean, that's If only we could loss. have a laughing thing. I'm sure there's one on this little sound effects board, but. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Rarely that many people are laughing at home. <laughs> <laughs> I think we think we're way funnier than what yeah. we are. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we have to imagine someone turns this on. Like, I don't even. Is this not music? Oh, new yeah. dial. Is anyone even listening <laughs> right now? Yeah. Like, hello. Are you on there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's you. Yeah, you probably got that joke. It didn't go over your head, I guess. Well, yeah. I <clears throat> yeah. Let's hear it. I I'm, chose to you to, to actually my feelings I, right now yeah. is the injury of the week because everyone's just roasting. I thought we were doing pretty good, but I guess not. I. <laughs> I, I chose a real injury because that's what I thought. The <laughs> hey, inj- what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was right, just a- move on. We need to get, we need to just move on. Yeah, just okay. over it. yeah. I was <laughs> under the impression that the injury of the week was a real injury. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I chose Chris Stapp's Porzingis tearing his ACL because, like we talked about earlier, that is the downfall if there wasn't already of the Knicks, and I think that they, for at least this season, are screwed. Some pretty bad injuries this week. Tank. All right, Jack. Now let's move on to our tweet of the week. What did you have there? All right. So I had I've every tweet I feel like has been about Tom Brady these past few, and which I still love. But one I, was one was a half and half Blake Bortles. I mean, yeah, that's right. It was. You always have to reference the two goats in the that, same sentence. Oh you know? man. Okay. So anyway, I decided to I decided to go against the grain and and talk about the Eagles. So this was a quote, and it said, "Just remember when the Eagles head coach Doug Peterson was a high school coach only ten years ago." And there was a parent there who thought he was an idiot and they knew better. Well, Mr. Mrs. Parent, 
you were wrong because Doug Peterson is an absolute genius. And you know, he was phenomenal in the Super Bowl. You better watch your tone with Mr. and Mrs. Barron. <laughs> like, yeah, you better be careful. I know coming Uncle back. sibling might come get me. For, there's about one in five million chances that they're listening to this exact <laughs> radio show right now. Because they were probably old Nebraska and high <laughs> school parents that were standing. You know exactly where that parent, they would sit in the stands at the beginning of the game and they would make their way down to like the metal fence and they'd always be shaking it and be oh, like, yeah. hey, coach! Coach, yeah, you gotta run the ball. <laughs> That's holding. It's every time. Yeah, you can't. It you, it's every time, man. Like, <laughs> there's a parent. I don't know if it's just a Nebraska thing, but I, th- I guarantee there's that parent in every stadium, everywhere, especially Texas. I oh, mean, Texas. Yeah. That's probably every parent. I would imagine. Texas are in that monster stadium. Yeah. I'm sure they're living in. But all right, Austin, what's yours? All right, so I've got Fo Pelini. I actually kind of stole this from. I don't, you know, Fo Pelini. He's just a good follow all the time. So I try not to use his tweets, but this one was too good. So most followed fake coach of all time. Oh, right absolutely. Absolutely. No one can beat him. Everyone that tries to do the other fake coaches, just stop. stop You're it. not going to beat Fopolini. So with that, too, um, as everyone noticed about the Super Bowl, everyone loves to watch for the commercials. I love watching the movie trailers that come out with it. So, one of the, you know, they have a new Jurassic uh, Park, Jurassic World movie coming out. It's Fallen Kingdom. They had a lot of different things going on. You know, dinosaurs run amok, you know, life finds a way, all that kind of stuff. But mm. Fopolini would just ask a simple question. How are the Jurassic Parks not shut down by now? <laughs> Which is an honest and fair question at this point because you'd have to think in, you know, if we had... It's not working. <laughs> if you had a zoo that continually had its predators being released, it would definitely be closed, not be reopened for yeah. any reason. All right, so that was kind of bad, but we have another one that's going to be really good. Yeah. And we're not going to change <laughs> anything about it. It's just going to be a little more updated, but it's... It's pretty faulty. I'm not going right. to But I think we're fine. I, I we're going to make another Tyrannosaurus Rex yeah. and make this one even more aggressive. And I also like the fact that all those people in those movies are like, we can control the Velociraptors. And the Velociraptors are the ones that get them every time. Yeah. You have to. Just, yeah, they look, I'm like, look, at they're just so majestic. And then they're just, I don't even know what noise they make, run around, <laughs> killing. And, yeah, <laughs> hey, that was good. But, that yeah. was really good. But I mean, that the other part, if you find that tweet, it's such a good thread or tread or whatever the, the thread. thread 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 whatever um whatever the uh, yeah, whatever the kids are saying these days uh it's so fun to just go down and watch me or like look at because all these paleontologist kids are like looking at that tweet and they're like um the velociraptors have feathers and they don't <laughs> they're not like actual reptiles it's like okay it's a movie about a fictitious dinosaur yeah and apparently it's a good read like austin says put it in your quay of your mind <laughs> Hey, I I will take credit for the quay because dun, dun, you dun, always dun, 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 dun. <laughs> you always okay. The, uh, we the, are way he, too off topic he, this time. He meant the music cue, but I always say quay because I messed it up one time, and you know everyone remembers. Quavo. All, All right, right, let's okay, move on let's, to my tweet as Pat McAfee. Now that we've already lost the two followers. <laughs> No, we're listening. I guess we'll keep going. All right, we yeah. might as well just make this a 24-hour show. We're not getting through this one at all. <laughs> yeah, Pat McAfee tweeted out that he already reached out to potential coordinators, and we're ready. We're already in good shape. Let's make the Colts great again. He's tweeting about that coaching job that Josh McDaniels didn't have. So, I mean, Pat McAfee, Tough. obviously a great tweet, and I think we're about ready to go to our commercial break before our mascot matchup and Loper spread. Good. We need a second. So, yeah, we definitely. Uh, yeah, here's some music. By Foreigner, it feels like the first time.
All right, welcome back to the Blue and Gold Standard. We're here for one of our favorite parts of the show, the mascot matchup. Let's take it to the courtroom where we will be hearing from the Honorable Judge McClay. And he will be hearing a couple cases on Loper mascot matchups this current week. First off, we have the Loper versus the Bronco and the Loper versus the Riverhawk. Mr. Jacobson, <laughs> you may proceed. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to – so first off, I would like to state for the court um, that this Bronco is actually spelled very differently. It's spelled like Broncho, and Bronchos sound like nachos. But anyway, so from Broncho, uh, so a Bronco over a Loper. So Broncos are fast, agile, and beautiful. They're nothing like a Loper. A Loper is pretty in its own way amongst the gazelle creatures of the many prairie that crosses this great nation. But a Bronco – carried our ancestors all the way across, and I believe that the Broncos have the endurance to beat out a Loper when it comes to a duel. You have been heard. Mr. Pfeiffer, you may speak. Noted. Now you see the Broncho. Objection, Bronco. Overruled, oh. Mr. Pfeiffer. All right, now you see the Broncho and the Loper are very different creatures, though Austin may not want to admit this. Lopers have horns on their heads. This is your argument every week. Okay. I will allow... <laughs> This Mr. Pfeiffer, he needs to come up with something Bronco original. Cannot defeat another animal much like itself with horns on its head. Plus, if it smells like bronchitis, I don't think that's very dangerous. <laughs> I got bronchitis. <laughs> Are you finished? Yes, Honorable Judge McClay. Judge McClay, I'd like to make a, an open statement for the court. Denied. Oh. <laughs> Accepted. Oh, uh, yeah, so... Mr. Wide Pfeiffer makes the same argument every single week, that the Lopers have horns. I believe that needs to be mooted from this conversation and from this debate. Objection. Overruled, both of you. Oh, that's okay. After reviewing the Loper and the Broncho, I have decided that though the Broncho does have nice qualities, its sketchiness and inactivity of the CH allowed will not make it possible to beat an actual Loper. Lopers will win... Broncos, Bronchos are guilty. 
Okay, that's fair. That was a weak argument. Yeah. I, I didn't that's have this one. All tough. right, I'll take this one. This one's going to be an easy one for me. It's going to be the River Hawks over the Lopers. Are you kidding me? River Hawks? Lopers need to come to water to drink. River Hawks live by water. Tend to their name, River Hawk. They will swarm in and blot out the sky, and you will have to fight in the shade, Lopers. So I hope you come down. We've got our talons, our sharp talons coming in. They're going to pierce the backsides of you, Lopers. You're going to bleed out all over into our river, and we're going to win. Riverhawks over Lopers in the mascot matchup, of course, Honorable Judge. Yeah, sure. A ton of Riverhawks versus one Loper would be dangerous, but a one-on-one mano-a-mano matchup of a Loper and a Riverhawk should be no contest. You've all heard the eye of a hawk, but nobody's ever heard the eye of a Riverhawk. <laughs> Who knows what a Riverhawk even is? Apparently it's an Osprey. I never that name <laughs> doesn't sound like it could win a fight at all. <laughs> also, a river hawk can swoop in, attack, and fly away. A loper is stuck on the ground. Easy win for the river hawk. He can come and attack multiple times a day. Feeble animal. After reviewing both of your <laughs> statements, I have decided that though the loper may travel in a herd and have absolute power. The aerial attack of a river hawk will be much too for them. Giving the river hawk to win, Mr. Jacobson, you have one. One and one, baby. I think we go even every single week, so I'm pretty excited about that. It's take not easy taking lopers versus a lion every week either, though. <laughs> yeah, that's tough. That hey, the, the Griffin tough. one, you had a good argument for, but there was no way no. the Griffin one was going to go your way. But now let's get into some actual loper action. So we're ready to take on our loper spread. So for the men's side, they're playing the Central Oklahoma Broncos Thursday, February 8th at 7.30. The Broncos are 15-2, and two, or 15-7, and 8-2 at home. Wyatt. Who do you like in that matchup? Of course I like UNK. I like them by a lot. The fact that the Broncos are kind of running away with their 15-7 to winning record right now, the 8-2 and losses at home kind of strike me as like not very well. So I believe that Trey Landsman and the UNK Lopers go in, get their job done. It's going to be a tough battle, but I think Lopers come out on top uh, 75-72. Tight game. Jack? You know, that's a pretty good analogy, Wyatt, you said there. And I think I'm going to have to agree on your side. I think Central Oklahoma uh, is a good team, and, and being 8-2 and two at home is going to make it really tough. I just think, based on the game we just watched, I think the Lopers are starting to figure themselves out a little bit, which is what we talked about in our, our, our pregame discussion. I think that they finally felt comfortable. I think Trey Landsman's kind of getting back in the swing of things. And I think Lane Rourke's playing really well. Ty Danielson's starting to knock down a shot. Some of these, some of these supporting guys that weren't there uh, in these weeks prior are starting to show up a little bit. I think it's going to be a really tight one because I think that home – that home court advantage is going to make it really tough. I'm going to go Lopers by two, so I'm going to go 81-79. You know, this is a tough matchup for the Lopers, but I believe that the Lopers are going to win a close one, like Jack said, because their bench players are going to come in and come in hot. They're going to come in, and they're going to play really well off the bench. They're going to bring a lot of energy, a lot of points, and a lot of turnovers, I believe, on that side. Coming from defensive turnovers, they're going to get more possessions for the offense. I think Joshua Trent's going to go for 25 in this game. I honestly just have a good feeling about it. I think uh, Lopers are going to pull out a close victory away from home, and we're going to see them come back. Uh, and then we have them again uh, against Northeastern State Riverhawks Saturday, February 10th at 3.30. The Riverhawks are coming in 7-15, and 3-7 and seven at home. Wyatt, kind of a little bit of a different matchup there. Yeah, a little bit of a different matchup because the Riverhawks are not playing very well. They have a, the opposite score of the Central Oklahoma Broncos. Their, their record is 7-15. and 15. 
with a three and seven record at home. I think UNK wins this one like easily, very convincingly at the end of this game. I think it's a big 15 point game. I'm going to go 76 to whatever that less 15 is. His math was um, not a strong suit. We were yeah, right about 61. that one. Here at the Blue and Gold Standard, 61. math is not a strong suit for it, any no, of us. Absolutely not. It was 61. Okay, no. All right, Jack, who do you got? Uh, my <clears throat> my view is pretty similar to Wyatt's. I think that, that UNK has just, in these past few weeks, has just been put, put I mean, to the not necessarily the ringer, but just these hard challenges over and over and, and having to travel and having to overcome these goals. And so I think that I think this one's going to be pretty easy. I think Northeastern State doesn't know it's actually coming to them. Uh because UNK's just been been battling every single week, and I think they're going to come out with that same mentality, and I think they're going to take it to them. I'm not going to put a score down <laughs> because apparently we're not very good at math, but I'm going to say that I'm going to put the Lopers winning by about 17. I'm going to take the Lopers, not as large as that, um, not the 17-15. I think this is kind of like a trap game if there is a trap game for a team that's hovering around 500, but this is a game for UNK that you have to win. You need to get to 500 just so you can continue to build, gain that co- confidence when you go into postseason play as well um i think it's should be an easy win but you never know what could happen when it comes to these games i expect you and k to win and that's where we're going to keep it there so on the women's side they're um coming off of a lot of good string of victories as well as coming with a really good winning streak off of uh just i think an 11 game streak now is what we said 11 at, the and at home seven game win streak total Indeed. that's what i we All corrected right. okay there we go so uh the women's again playing central oklahoma broncos thursday february 8th at 5 30 the central oklahoma uh girls team is coming in at 17 and 5 9 and 1 at home but they are in a two-game losing streak so does that play into this weekend's matchup now you see the UNK women are on a seven-game win streak. Indeed. You know, all streaks got to come to an end, but this isn't the night. Oh, they're going to keep it rolling. You have You're dirty. Gonna, come on. They're going to beat the Broncos. You already know it. It's going to be another close game. Hey, anytime anyone a can beat a Bronco, excitement. right? Exactly. Yeah. Anytime anyone can beat a Bronco, they should definitely do so, especially if they spell it with an H. Yeah. Jeez Louise. I, uh, I think this is going to be a really interesting game because – they, the fact that they are off a two-game losing streak, I think that that's kind of a wake-up call. Um, and they're nine and one at home and seven and seventeen and five in an overall record. I think that uh, that women that the Lady Lips are playing fantastic, but I think they're going to have a really tough challenge in their hands. And and <clears throat> I'm going to go out on a limb and say say that this is going to be a one-point victory. And I think that the Lopers are going to play well. I have no doubt and and don't doubt them in any way. I just think this is a really tough game and a good team, but I think they're going to come on top. So I'm going to give the Lopers a one-point victory. You know, we talk about Michaela Berry all the time. I think Mackenzie Brown's going to have a big game in this one. She yeah, had a absolutely. really good game on Saturday that we did. She almost outscored uh, Michaela Berry uh, in that game. So I'd expect her to come out, have a really good game. I think they're going to drop Central Oklahoma to 17-6 and on the season, and I think they're going to continue that losing streak for Central Oklahoma. Now Northeastern State Riverhawks on Saturday. At 1.30, uh, Northeastern State's coming in with nine wins, 11 losses, and 5-4 and four at home. And they're also on a three-game losing streak. So are we going to see another streak broken, or is one going to continue? Well, I think they both continue. <laughs> because at the end of this game, the Riverhawks are going to be at an even 500 at home. It's going to be sad for you Northeastern State fans, but I'm not rooting for you. I think you're getting beat after coming off of a close victory over the Broncos this week, I'm thinking that UNK wins very, very convincingly by about 14 points. I'm 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 on Wyatt's side in the sense that I think that's going to be a really close game against Central O, like we just talked about. So I think that's gonna 
Um, that's going to jar them a little bit. You know that they have to step up their game because Northeastern isn't a great team, but they're also not a bad team. They're kind of right in the middle. So I think that that the Lady Lips are going to step up their game. They're going to they're going to refocus and you know recalculate themselves. And I'm going to put I'm going to put the Lopers by eight. Oh, Your turn. sorry. Your turn. Right. Okay. So for the women's team, I think this is going to be an easy win. Uh, the women's program is a very good program, and they understand what they need to do to be a great program. Great programs win games like this. You don't fall into trap games. You don't look too far ahead on your schedule, and you don't worry about what's coming up next later on. Um, this is going to be an easy win for the women. I think that they're going to win probably a 15, maybe even a 20-point blowout victory. So with that, our final logs. Anyone have any final takes here for us? She was a long one, but I really enjoyed it. And I, I thought our callers, if you're still listening, you did great. And for all of you still hanging on with us <laughs> out there, we really appreciate it. We know we can be a little goofy at times, but really appreciate you still hanging in there. Yeah, I just want to thank my new fiance, Lacey, for saying yes. I mean, that's great and all in itself. And that's about all I got to say for this week. Yeah. Again, uh, congrats to Wyatt. Congrats to Carson Wentz. You both are hopefully maybe you can do a conjoined wedding, something like that. I'm sure that's you could. That's a plan. Yeah, it could probably be in the works, something along that line. But for us in the Blue and Gold Standard, give us a follow on Facebook or uh, Twitter. That's going to be the Facebook page will be Blue and Gold Standard. You can just search that in the search bar or on Twitter at B underscore and G underscore standard. One more time, that's going to be at B underscore and G underscore standard. We're going to post these up on our SoundCloud, onto our Facebook and Twitter pages. We thank you all for listening, and we wish you a great rest of your day. Thank you.